0: lion has wings (laughs) there's so many animals that are depicted with wings well whenever you see the wings or the wing disc is another one um that is to do with the mind mind, 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 mind. say that desire to know god better or the creator better or the creation if you like um is is part of this higher echelon of um, desire and I think this, this is some of the reason why we see um, say the man coming out of the horse or the Sagittarius type figure is that it's representing this um, irrationality and rationality Um, joined together Desire Desire the mind The palm tree, which was associated with the world tree and so Virgo sort of sits on top of the world tree in a sense, the same as Mother Holly, um, same as these other pillar sort of gods. And where you get some of these uh, ideas of um, measurement and um, time and all the rest of it that come out of it is through um, the date palm, which is relating to the hand, the palms relating to the hand. The second port because Equus is the scientific name of horse, right? So um Equus stood out to me because the second word of it was cabalus. I'm like, oh, okay, so why is it the horse? Like Equus is related to um equal. So whenever you see equals something, it's or and it's got this little movement um through the letters that you can go it relates to eagle so it has this equus to eagle movement um and it's got legal and and all these other different words that come from that equus movement and so when you do that you actually produce like this um the winged horse in a sense because you're actually um bringing together the horse and the eagle together (laughs) and which is really interesting because then you're looking at um Uh, any of the winged horses and constellations like Pegasus Pegasus. and things like that, so that starts to come out of it Pegasus
1: Pegasus Pegasus Pegasus, what a sweet character, right? Winged horse goodness, alright my friends Uh, welcome to episode 100, an official episode 100 it's a big deal, it's a milestone, it's a marker it's a turning point a nexus We've made it, and thank you so much for being here today. You guys are a fan of the show. You know that we are a long-form podcast that we be running on two hours, three hours, heck, sometimes even four. So why not make episode 100 extra fun and long with some little blurbs and more music and songs? For our RFTA News segment, we are talking to our buddy Rhyme Wave who. Is a conscious hip hop artist, and he is uh, allowing us to play his song titled "Rising from the Ashes" off of his new album, which you will hear shortly. Before we get into the new segment, and you can hear about the music industry and some other fun stuff that we uh, that we get to talk to our buddy Casey, AKA Rhymewave, about, and then we go into this awesome talk about horses and equestrian antiquated equestrianism uh and how it correlates to reality as we know it and some of the astrotheological stories and so much more so my friends buckle up get ready because we are diving in
2: that a glimpse of it would turn men to stone Tales embellished with danger spread far and wide, telling how the lands and cavern of these fearsome sea monsters abounded with the rigid shapes of petrified men and animals. The Gorgons were feared for their deadly power. Hence, the death of Medusa became a worthy heroic quest for the patriarchal solar heroes. The tale of Perseus' slaying of Medusa is one of the most ancient of all the Greek myths. The classical version may actually be based on a far older myth, preserved by local folk tradition, which extends back to the Mycenaean period of the second millennium BCE. It was later overlaid with the heroic elements that were so popular among the Greeks of the historic age. Graves feels that this story portrayed actual events during the reign of the historical king, Perseus, circa 1290 BCE, founder of the new dynasty in Mycenae. During this period, the powers of the early moon goddesses in North Africa were usurped by patriarchal-dominated invaders of mainland Greece. The legend of Perseus beheading Medusa means that the Hellenes overran the goddesses' chief shrines, stripped her priestesses of their gorgon masks, and took possession of the sacred horse. This historical rupture and sociological trauma registered itself in the following myth— Perseus, a son of Zeus, was conceived in a shower of golden rain that descended upon his mother, Dany, princess of Argus. The king, warned by an oracle that the only child of his daughter would kill him, had Dany and her infant placed in a great chest and cast adrift in the sea. Zeus saw that they floated safely to the island of Seraphis and were rescued by a kindly fisherman, Dictus. Perseus grew to manhood there. Following the fisherman's humble trade, in due time, Polydectes, cruel and ruthless leader of the land, lusted after Danny and sought a way to rid himself of her protective and troublesome son. Polydectes' plan was to raise a tax of horses from the islanders. According to another version, these horses were intended as a bride gift he meant to offer for the hand of Hypodamia. Because Perseus was poor, there was no way for him to obtain a horse. And he was tricked into pledging that he would bring the king the head of the Gorgon with its deadly power. The oldest narratives of the myth of Medusa relate that she was a mare, whom Poseidon had mated while in the form of a stallion. Thus, Perseus was promising the king the head of a most terrifying horse. Perseus was assisted in this task with the help of Hermes and Athena. Hermes, messenger of the gods, gave him a curved magic sword, the only weapon capable of slaying the Gorgon. Pallas Athena, protectress of heroes, lent Perseus her brightly polished great shield to use as a mirror against Medusa, thereby avoiding direct contact with her deadly face, which could turn him to stone. They then appeared in a vision and led Perseus to the cave of the Greyi, who were the only ones who knew the exact whereabouts of Medusa. The Greyi... Were three old women, a fateful trio of swan maidens living at the foot of Mount Atlas in Africa. Between them, they shared one eye, with which they could see everything, and one tooth. Perseus tricked them into revealing Medusa's whereabouts by grabbing their one eye and refusing to return it until they divulged the information he sought. He also forced them to tell him where to find the Stygian nymphs from whom he received a magic pouch to contain the severed head of Medusa, the dark helmet of Hades, which would render him invisible, and a pair of winged sandals, which would enable him to fly with the speed of a bird to the desolate island lair of the Gorgon Sisters. blade slashed off Medusa's head and hid it in his pouch. He then donned Hades' cap of invisibility in order to escape the wrathful pursuit of the remaining Gorgons and flew off the island. From Medusa's severed neck sprang her twin sons by Poseidon. Pegasus, the winged moon horse, who became a symbol of poetry, and Cryosaur, the hero of the golden sword and father of King Geryon of Spain. As Perseus flew away, drops of Medusa's blood trickled onto the hot African sands, causing oases to grow in the desert. In an alternate version, these droplets of blood gave birth to a race of poisonous serpents, destined to infest the regions with plagues in future ages. Athena later gave two vials of Medusa's blood to Asclepius, the god of healing. It was said that blood from her right vein could cure and restore life, and that the blood from her left vein could slay and kill instantly. Others say that Athena and Asclepius divided the blood between them. He used it to save lives, but she to destroy and instigate wars. In some traditions, it was Athena's serpent son, Erychthonius, to whom she gave the blood to either kill or cure, and she fastened the vials to his body with golden bands. Athena's dispensation of the Gorgon blood to Asclepius and Erychthonius suggests the curative rites used in this cult were a secret, guarded by priestesses, which it was death to investigate. The Gorgon's head was a formal warning to priors to stay away. Among perseus's adventures on his way back to seraphis were the turning of atlas into stone and the rescue of andromeda in order to escape from africa perseus had to defeat the huge king atlas father of the hesperides who were the guardians of the apples of immortality atlas warned by an ancient prophecy that a son of zeus would rob him of his golden fruits refused perseus hospitality and attempted to thrust him away in anger Perseus held up the gorgon's head and turned the giant into stone, which then formed the Atlas Mountains, upon which rest the sky and all the stars. Perseus' story continues with the rescue of the Ethiopian princess Andromeda and of the sexual mysteries of the goddess and her consort. At a certain point after 2000 BCE, the legends tell of the marriage, or alternately, rape, of Queen Medusa to the Oceanic King Poseidon, one of the original Olympians, who had been known in his earlier form as Hippios, the horse deity, as well as Lord of the Sea. Poseidon, in the form of a stallion, mounted Medusa as a mare and fathered Pegasus, a winged moon horse. An early representation of Medusa, dating from the 7th century BCE in Boeotia, shows her as a small, slender mare woman, who, although masked with a gorgon's head, shows none of the frightful aspects of the classical gorgon. By associating the gorgon mask with the slender equine form, this artist permits us to catch a brief glimpse of a far more ancient tradition, in which the Dark Sister was not an isolated object of fear. The gorgon mask, as the face of the moon, suggests that Medusa was one of the three aspects of the pre-Hellenic moon goddess— and the small native horses of these indigenous peoples were sacred to the early moon cults and rainmaking ceremonies. Poseidon's rape of Medusa in the form of a stallion tells the story of how the first wave of invading Hellenes from Greece, who rode large, vigorous horses, forcibly married the Amazon moon priestesses and took over the rainmaking rites of the sacred horse cult through the birth of Pegasus. This is one variation of many similar stories that appear all over the Mediterranean Crescent around this time, describing their transition from the reign of the goddesses to that of the gods. The supremacy of the great goddess, who took the young god as her consort-slash-lover, was overturned as the god matures and then usurps her power by forcibly raping, marrying, and subjugating her, and by suppressing her worship. Poseidon's soldiers likewise raped the Amazon priestesses, and they ignored the injunction of the Aegis and Gorgon Mask to stay away unless invited. The Gorgon Mask then turned into the portrait of horror, fear, and rage, frozen on the faces of these warrior women, resulting from their forceful violation. It was only after Medusa's union with Poseidon that Athena transformed the beautiful Libyan Amazon queen into the deadly monster whose horrible face would turn men into stone. The Fear of Women states that nothing but terror emanates from Medusa's head. The terror of Medusa that turns men into stone is their terror of death and castration. Erich Neumann writes that the winged gorgons are uroboric symbols of the primordial power of the archetypal feminine, Images of the great pre Hellenic mother goddess in her devouring aspect as earth, night, and underworld. Sigmund Freud's interpretation, Medusa's Head, 1922, suggests that Medusa's head, surmounted by snakes, is the symbol of the maternal genitalia, the hairy maternal vulva, as seen by the sun. He says that to decapitate is synonymous with to castrate. However frightening the snakes may be in themselves, they serve as a mitigation of the horror, for they replace the penis, the absence of which is the cause of horror. Freud felt that being turned to stone implied erection as a defense to the threat of castration. Philip Slater agrees with Freud that Medusa's head is a symbol of maternal genitalia, but he disagrees with Freud's interpretation of turning to stone as a symbolic erection, as a defense against the fear of castration. Slater argues that, while the idea of erection may be present in the stiff-with-terror response, the immobility is much more suggestive of impotence, and this interpretation fits better the many examples of paralysis and turning to stone. The purpose of Athena's aegis was to render potential ravishers impotent.
1: Well, there you have it, everybody. Thought I uh, would share with you guys one of my favorite books that I'm uh, reading right now, called The Mysteries of the Dark Moon by Demetra George. Kind of synchronistically was um, reading about these uh, these different uh, deities and their relationships to horses and 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 how that related in the ancient ways in the ancient days so uh figured i'd share that with you guys as it was a synchronicity for me at that certain time uh during that and now we're going to get into some rfta news with our buddy rhyme wave and uh after that we'll go directly into the interview with lc king cheers
3: welcome to rising from the ashes i'm dan unaki dan
1: i'm the homie Romy. what's going on brother
3: what's good homie in the hawaiian hood (laughs) yep chilling in the
1: chilling in the rainbow state man uh loving life dude it's all good it's all good just got my boogie on last night about to get our boogie on with Uh today's
3: uh fantastic guest too bro uh yeah, we got ryan wave in the house it's been a while how's it going man
4: it's going great thanks for having me on guys excited to talk to you yeah
3: nice last time you were on we talked about crop circles aliens stuff
4: i got crop circles in the name of my new album what
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: crop circles and cathedrals is the name of the new album crop circles and cathedrals that is a how very does, invoking name title. I yeah. love that. How does That's what I was going for?
4: How it. does that
3: relate, man?
1: Oh man,
4: I mean, there's a lot that those two things have in common if you think about it. Because, like, uh, you know, they both have these these vast mysteries behind them. Uh, you know, m- most people recognize the mystery behind crop circles. I, I don't know if a lot of people really recognize the mystery behind the cathedrals, but. Also just our listeners know, do.
3: Oh,
4: exactly <laughs> yeah, the Roman. Right. right. Yep. That's why I know you guys will dig this. But um, yeah, they both use like, you know, sacred geometry and resonance to, um, you know, to harness harness different uh, etheric forms of energy and power. And um, I don't really claim to fully understand either one of them. But both of them have been kind of like obsessions of mine at different times crop circles were kind of like my, my wake up moment back in 2012. I got really into them. And that kind of opened up all sorts of doors for me. And then uh, recently, um, getting more into theories of the old world and looking into these old stone megaliths, uh, like, you know, not just cathedrals, but old temples and castles and, um, you know, stuff that gets into Tartaria theory and that sort of thing. But uh, I wasn't initially going to call the album something else. I was going to like, I had a couple different names and then I, I just thought of crop circles and computer. I was like, that's perfect. You know, it's like the alliteration CC C, and C, you know, which would be three, three, and three, if you like do the numerology of that. And um, I just thought it was like very kind of like open and inviting to the great mystery. And, uh, and my brother is an incredible artist. And I just knew he was going to be able to have a lot of fun with that. And he designed like the dopest album cover ever. It's got my logo as a crop circle. And then this like, this burning cathedral with like musical components behind it. And like everyone that sees the art is just like, what the fuck is that? Like, it's just the craziest artwork. But um, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about why I chose that name.
1: I love it, man. I think there's, there's deeper connections too. I mean, it, it'd be interested in to, to like look and see if there's been any crop circles in like fields or gardens around cathedrals specifically because we know that cathedrals are built on top of like magnetic ley lines and and things throughout the earth so that's really fascinating also you got the labyrinth um the classic labyrinth and the uh like the rose bush labyrinths that they would have outside of cathedrals and castles they would have like these like man-made hedge you know sacred shapes and the labyrinth is in in entrailed and many 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 uh, esoteric mysteries so yeah i think i think uh choosing that name as a title is a good one especially for anybody into the esoteric you can comfortably listen to this album and be like this guy knows the vibe he knows what's going on
4: i do my best man definitely trying to mark definitely trying to market it towards the crowd that's uh that's into more esoteric ways of thinking and also just trying to introduce people to these ideas, because I mean, somebody said something to me, they're like, oh, cathedrals, like, I wouldn't want to, you know, I wouldn't want to give any credit to the conquistadors and those those horrible mm. settlers that, you know, killed the native tribes and built those buildings. And I was like, man, it's it's a shame that you don't see the beauty in these buildings. And like, I hope that you don't associate me with like, genocide and, and that sort of thing, because... <laughs> it's almost like I feel like I need to explain myself a little bit to certain people. Like, yeah. like, I'm not like a, a devout no. Catholic. Like I just find these buildings like incredibly beautiful and fascinating. And you should do, uh, you know, get past whatever preconceived notions you have about the people that built them because they're probably not true. And I don't even fucking know who built them. Um, but yeah, also, let's, it's let's, let's bring it back, you know,
1: esoteric, uh, in, in the sense that you chose C and C, you know like or yeah that they are they're cnc it's like the you know christopher columbus the three 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 yeah you know captain cook and all that it's uh there's yeah that's interesting I are you uh are you one of these uh one of these crazy artists that once one's out you're already working on the next album or you got like uh any more like prolific ideas that came after the album was produced and you're like damn i wish i'd put this track on there or something like that
4: I'm definitely working on the next project i have like two songs that are pretty much finished like solo tracks but then i also have like a ton of collaboration projects going on so i have the, the kin of merlin is my new group um we're about to put out a new album i think next month we're shooting to drop it but it's like a two-parter so it was like 15 mcs 20 tracks i'm on like 10 of the tracks um it's a little bit more of like a classic like wu-tang boom bap like you know 90s hip-hop army flavor
3: of the, army of the pharaohs
4: yo oh yeah yo. so we got that uh i got a, a duo with my homie adam cedar we're working on an ep uh me and my friend rob the universe are working on an ep and then a couple other artists that i have just like tracks you know one or two tracks with that will probably just come out as singles but um, definitely working on my next solo full length and, you know, hoping that I can drop something else, you know, within the next year. That's kind of my goal now is to like put out a new project every year. And I really love albums, man. Like, even though everyone says you should be putting out singles, like singles are the way to go. It's like, I want to tell a story, you know, I want to like really like give people something that they can like sit back and just listen to for this new one's 40 minutes long. And, uh, I think there's something really powerful about that you know and assuming people are down to take the journey and even if they're not you know listen in bits and pieces but um yeah definitely working on the next project and like really fucking excited about the stuff that I'm creating and I, I think it's already a step up from this last project um, so it's it's cool to feel that way you know to feel that progression
1: as opposed you know, to we- like the the writer's block you know you're like when will I ever create again it happens uh, for sure.
3: Yeah, tell us tell us some uh, more about your inspiration for this new album that you have coming out, uh, because I, I see a track on there that's really close to Roman and I's heart. Which uh, one? Oh yeah, yeah, rising from the ashes.
4: Yep, that <laughs> one's actually about reincarnation.
3: All right. Oh yeah. So yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, like kind of what you've been going through lately uh the things that you've been doing the synchronicities and and like kind of making this album uh what's been going on man
4: for sure yeah so pretty much everything on this album i've written post 2020 you know so it's all been Mm -hmm. over the last few years as uh you know as all the craziness has been happening and a lot of the songs you know have to do with the the scamdemic a lot of these songs have to do with cancel culture um you know the technocracy taking over um and also just like formation yeah yeah that's a shout out to kathy o'brien and the, the mk ultra victims i think a lot of people are mk ultra victims they don't even realize it um but <laughs> yeah so i mean this this album is kind of like me finally putting it all out there in terms of like my awakening you know my um you know realizations about the harsh truths and and wanting to put those out there and also just kind of like not being afraid to put it out there because i you know i've known about a lot of this shit for a long time but i've had a really hard time infusing it into my music in a way where i'm making strong statements about things you know kind of beat around the bush and you know, throwing these ideas and maybe you hear something, you're like, oh, did he just mention that? Or like, you know, what does he really, what does he really think about this thing? And I think at the end of this album, um, and really, you know, towards the beginning, like, you know, pretty damn well how I feel. And, um, so yeah, I'm really just like trying to find a way to kind of like take the knowledge that I've gained and, um, the, you know, the awareness that I've I've kind of come into over the years, and infuse that into the music in a way that's going to like inspire people, but also to kind of give them some stuff to go look into to, um, you know, make people a little bit more curious and to keep it fun, you know, like I want it to be raw, I want it to be deep and intense, and, you know, maybe a little hard to listen to at times, but at its core, I want it to be fun and um, inspiring. And, um, you know, I really just, I want to give people something that gives them hope and makes them maybe want to be creative themselves. Uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of like what the subject matter is. You know, it definitely gets into a lot of esoteric stuff, um, but it's also very introspective. You know, it's a lot about me, my thought process. I mean, obviously most hip hop is very personal. Um, you're talking about what you're going through, how you see the world and um just trying to kind of come at it with a little bit more of a cohesive message so i feel like a lot of my previous songs you know there might be a cohesive message within the song but in terms of like groups of songs it's like they they fit together because i made them all and you know i made all the beats and whatever but like i think this project really is a a nice cohesive story that i've crafted and um so yeah that's kind of I guess where I'm coming from with this
1: new one.
3: Excellent, man. <clears throat> yeah,
1: I love uh I love your style. It reminds me a lot of <laughs> a really great rapper and someone who's been making music for a couple decades now. It's it's Aesop Rock. If you listen to your your music, it's just like the the vocal style, the lyricism and everything has a has a lot of that influence and I ain't mad at it, man.
4: I really appreciate you saying that because Aesop Rock is my favorite MC and it's hard to pick favorites because there's so many great ones, but he's somebody that I've looked up to since I was 15, I think I'm about to turn 36. So it's been over 20 years that I've been listening to him. And I hope we can do a collaboration one day and he's really just like crushing it on all levels. I mean, the music he's putting out is so insanely amazing. In my opinion and i'm just like such a huge fan of his so i will take that comparison all day long
1: <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah i like that you uh you make all your own beats too do you do you mind like uh sharing some of that process like how, how do you go about like creating some of these uh some of these tracks do you have like a like a meditative mess method that you like to do or do you just let it come do you force yourself to be in the studio or is it something that like naturally flows
4: you know, it's a mix. Like, I, I definitely do have times where I'm like, I'm going to sit down and make a beat like it's happening, you know, you just kind of force yourself into it. But usually you flow with the inspiration, you know, and now my schedule is a little bit more open. I'm trying to focus on my music as much as possible. So I have a lot more time to find those moments to create. Um, but I would say like the process of making beats for me is um, it's, it's not as hard mentally to like get into that place when i'm writing rhymes it's like it's a lot of you know mental gymnastics and i'm really thinking really hard and you know i'm looking up words online looking up definitions you know copying and pasting bars into different places playing with different arrangements and when i make a beat usually i'll just sit down i'll lay down a basic drum line some kind of rhythm you know i'll pick a tempo so i'll be like 80 bpm you know i'll use the ai drummer and logic usually where you like you pick a style you pick a drummer you pick a kit, and then you kind of like you know pick what logic kind of drummer is tight it's, it's really nice dude, it's it's great man yeah the robots can be your friends when it comes to making <laughs> music and it can still have an original flavor you know they take a lot of uh, a lot of the hard work out of it on some levels i use ai plugins for mixing and mastering as well sometimes but um yeah, usually start with a drum beat. And then I'll just kind of start laying down different ideas over that. Um, So, you know, typically, I like to have a bass line, you know, a drum line and and a bass line is pretty much like a necessity. Most songs have those. Um, And then just playing with different digital instruments, um, different VSTs. And I'll, I'll usually spend like, a couple of hours just kind of laying out lots of ideas not really going into the nitpicky details of like you know tweaking little bits of the sound you know i might spend a few minutes here or there affecting a sound but for the most part i'm just trying to get out the melodies the harmonies you know all the different variations if i want to have a key change kind of figuring that out and and really spending a good amount of time just laying out all the ideas and not being too concerned with the arrangement and not being too concerned with the effects and, you know, the manipulation of those melodies and harmonies. Um, Then once I get that down, then I'll kind of start to rearrange things. I'll, you know, take this bass line and move it over here with this guitar line and, you know, maybe decide to, you know, bring this piano back to the beginning. And, you know, I think, you know, this thing that I recorded at the end actually sounds better at the beginning. And then I'll kind of play around with the arrangement. And that will get a little bit more technical. So like the beginning is very creative. I'm just trying to get into a flow state. I'm just trying to let all of the ideas come out. And then once I get those ideas out, then I go into the more technical side of things where I'm playing with the arrangement, I'm tweaking the instruments. Um, and then I have something that I can write over. Um, and a lot of times I'll start writing and I'll shift the arrangement based on what I'm writing. And then once I have all that done, then I'll you know do a mix down. Um, on the beat, record the vocals and, you know, finish the song. But um, that's, that's what I found works best is like in the beginning, don't worry too much about all the little technical details and all the nuances of the sound. Just get the notes out there, just get the different sounds, like create the vibe of the track. It doesn't have to sound perfect. It can sound rough around the edges. Like you really need to try to get into that flow state where you're just creating the sounds letting those flow. And um, I don't like doing a whole lot of back and forth where I'm like creative, technical, creative, technical, I just try to do all the creative stuff right there in the beginning, then go back, polish it up. And that's kind of how I make beats.
1: What about when it comes to, um, to live performance, man? What, what what do you got? What do you got going on? Like, what were some big shows that you've done that you've been stoked on? And if you got any coming up planned up that people can prepare for?
4: Yeah, man, I've been doing a lot of shows. I think I did like 30 some shows in 2021 It was definitely like my biggest year yet. Wow. I mean, it was probably like 20 some year before. So yeah, I'm just trying to play as much as possible. But um, yeah, last year, we opened up for lyrics born me and my buddy rob the universe. That was really cool. Oh, uh, we got to play at the Star Theater. It's like a 500 person venue in Portland. That was probably like my biggest local show um and then we had like a recurring monthly event that we did at a little barbecue spot called Mo's, and it was like a little hip-hop showcase i played a lot at that we had another recurring monthly event at an art gallery called the haven and we had that was kind of centered around freestyle so it was like freestyle cypher throughout the night mixed with some t shirt sets um i did a couple events that were like sound healing type events where there was sound baths and guided meditations. And then there was like a conscious hip hop hour where I played a set and then I brought in other artists that I thought would be good for that vibe. And those are actually some of my favorite events. And I I went in kind of like wondering like, how much is this sound healing crowd really going to like hip hop? And they fucking loved it. That was like some of the best reception I've gotten um and then what else? We went to Mexico. We played the Greater Reset Conference. Um, didn't make it out to Davos to play the Great Reset, hoping for that next year, maybe. But the Greater Reset was pretty cool. Uh, that was in Morelia, and uh Derek Rose puts that together with the conscious resistance, and they flew like six of uh, six of us out there. Uh, my side project, Kina Merlin, and we played the final night of the conference. we
1: Wait, 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 wait! Hold up set. here a second. Hold up here a second. They have a greater reset festival in Davos when they hold the Davos <laughs> festival or like the Davos meeting. No, I was just fucking around. No, I was oh. saying,
4: I was saying oh. maybe, maybe next year, uh, Mr. Schwab will will ask me to come to Davos. But this oh. year, I, this year, <laughs> I, <laughs> this year, I just, I just went to Mexico. Um, but yeah, everyone should check it out if if you haven't heard of it. It was honestly like. One of the one of the greatest experiences of my life. I mean, the conference is super dope, and then just all the people that I met down there, all the connections I made. I mean such an inspiring crowd. And uh, you know, we didn't play till the last day. we We were able to set up another show in town at like a local uh, spot while we were down there. But, yeah, basically for like a week before we performed, we were just hanging out, going to the conference, making music. I was down there with like Illuminati Congo, Torn Frost uh Elemental MC Soul Disciple uh dude who goes by Yaya and we're all living in a house together making music the whole time we shot a music video there made a couple new tracks and then we we're basically like the you know the the very last thing that happened like the final day of the conference they had a concert they let us play in the big in the big hall where the conference was happening and uh yeah man it really just opened my eyes to the to the possibilities because I've been kind of thinking like oh I got to go you know, tour throughout the United States. And, you know, first I got to hit the West Coast, then I got to go to Colorado and then make my way out east. And then I got down to Mexico and I'm like, holy shit. Like, I didn't know I could play shows in Mexico. And like, it's like $2 for an Uber out here and like a dollar for a beer. It's like, it's insane, man, like how affordable it is down there. And so I'm, so what's happening now is I'm trying to teach myself Spanish. I got this app and uh, my goal is to learn Spanish for next year, go back to the greater reset, And then kind of make my way down to Acapulco after that, stop at some different places on the way and do like a little Mexico tour. And, you know, hopefully make that a regular thing where like every year, January, February, just head down to Mexico and play some shows down there. Um, So that was probably like the most exciting thing that happened musically. And also just like, you know, you guys know me, like I was, I was at home down there, you know, with, with the whole crowd at the conference. So that was really, really fun. Um, and then, yeah, other than that, like I played Eugene a couple times. There's a really cool venue called The Big Dirty down in Eugene, Oregon. Um, I'm going down to Ashland next weekend. I threw a music festival uh, called O on the Range with my buddy Samson, who goes by Samurai. That was amazing. I played like three sets at the music festival and it was it was a great success. We almost broke even, which means it's a great success for your first year at a music festival and we're doing it again next year we've already like started booking the lineup we're gonna do it in august so that's really cool like throwing music festivals you know just like stepping into that whole game and uh and i got booked for another festival which i think i'm going to announce like tomorrow or the next day so i can tell you guys right now it's called reconnection um and the headliners at that one are pretty huge and we're not only going to play reconnection but we're like of like mentoring under the people that throw the festival they're going to kind of show us how they do things and then we're going to take that knowledge and make our festival even better so starting to hit the festival circuit starting to play shows internationally starting to play shows in other cities so like you know before 2021 it was pretty much all portland 2021 was like starting to branch out a little bit uh you know 2022 starting to branch out a little bit more and then this year we're like we're taking a We're taking a global baby. Like, we're going to see how far we can spread this music.
3: I got a a question for you. Um, When you guys are all hanging out together and making music and stuff, uh, obviously you're not doing it 24 seven. Maybe you are. But when you're just, like, hanging out and uh, shooting the shit uh, about, like, maybe research you're digging into to be able to get some creative insight and write these songs that you're writing – what are what like? What type of things are you guys talking about and shooting off of each other? And uh what what we're like? What are you into? Like what's what you know? What kind of topics are you guys talking about when you're just hanging out bullshitting?
4: I I think it definitely varies based on who I'm collaborating with because I have some yeah. friends who are like hardcore conspiracy theorists, flat earther, like you know as extreme Mm -hmm. as, as you can get as radical as you can get. And obviously like the stuff that we're talking about making music about is a little different um, than some of my friends who, you know, got the shot and wore the mask. And, you know, I I don't cut people out of my life just because they see things differently. I actually collaborate with quite a few people who uh, we see the world very differently, but we come together when it comes to music. And I think that those are oftentimes some of the most beautiful collaborations because um, mm-hmm. I'm not putting myself in a box as an artist. And and really, I'm, I'm grateful to them for not cutting me out of their life, you know, because I'm the crazy one. Um, so I would say it definitely varies. But like just to throw out like a couple examples. Um, so like my roommate, MC Elemental, he's like kind of the the ringleader of the kin of Merlin, this like MC super group. And like, he's just got this like old school, like nineties hip hop sound. So like a lot of the stuff that we work on is um, maybe a little bit more traditional in its sound um, in terms of it's, it's not as weird as, as the music that I make for my solo stuff. Um, but it is dealing with a lot of like, you know, esoteric themes and, you know, getting into conspiracies and that sort of thing. Um, and then like my side projects that I have with like um, Rob the Universe and Adam Cedar. those ones are probably a little bit less on, you know the radical conspiracy side and maybe a little bit more on just kind of like the the deep ad- abstract, introspective side of things. Um, and then you know,'ve I've got a couple people that I collaborate with who just kind of want me to bring like the party vibes. they've They've actually told me they're like, don't get too deep. you know, like we just want people <laughs> to have fun, you know, at the shows and stuff. And, you know, obviously, I, I gravitate towards certain, you know, types of writing a little bit more. But I will say like no matter who I'm collaborating with, they generally accept whatever I'm bringing to the table. And I will kind of try to tailor, my rhymes a little bit to the collaboration and the concept of the song um but it's pretty cool you know working with people that are just like open to whatever you bring and like to have that trust you know to to really like trust that um whatever the other person's bringing is going to honor the vision of the song um but in terms of just like coming up with a concept for a song sometimes it's just a suggestion sometimes somebody will be like hey i got this idea like my buddy Rob came up with this idea that um he's like you know I want to write a song about how about m- the monetization of like spiritual things and how like you know once you start to sell something that's spiritual or um you know dealing with those elements then maybe it loses a little bit of its uh effectiveness or its authenticity you know so we're currently writing a song kind of talking about that but i think we're going to come at it from different angles Um, And then, you know, uh, on a basic level, I, you know, wrote a song with my buddy about, you know, just pursuing your dreams, you know, and we used, uh, you know, Peter Piper as an example, and this guy who like worked in the field, picking peppers, and he decides that he doesn't really like working in the field, picking peppers as much as he likes playing his pipe, his flute, and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of using him as like an archetype for the song. Uh, So, yeah, it's kind of cool how these ideas come together. A lot of times it's just through conversation. You're just kind of like shooting ideas back and forth. And it's like, oh yeah, I like that. Yeah, let's write a song about that. And sometimes someone comes to you with an idea and they're like, I want to make a song about this. Are you down? Um, And my buddy, Chiroglyphs, came to me and he's like, I want to write a song about Bill Gates called Gates. And I want to just like fucking tear into him and like Fauci and like all these dudes. And I'm like, fuck yeah let's do it so we wrote a song called gates and it's not out yet i'll I'll send it to you if you want to hear it i don't know when he's planning on releasing it but um that was super fun because i was like oh awesome here's an opportunity to just go off on this shit which i wouldn't necessarily do with some of the other people that i'm collaborating with like they hear that track and they're kind of like it sounds good but like i don't
1: agree with what you're saying and
4: uh so yeah man i'm just like trying to kind of fit each verse or you know each each thing that I write to um the concept and the person that I'm working for trying to honor their vision but at the same time knowing that they're open to like whatever I bring to the table and I think that's just like what what comes with putting in the work you know and, and paying your dues as a musician as an MC like you kind of want to get to the point where people will just trust that you're gonna like bring your best version of whatever you can contribute to the song.
3: And do you have like a line of research that you're into that uh, like inspires you to to write more things or like, like here on the show, like we go through like phases of like, we're, you know, we do theme months. So we kind of get into Egypt and then we get into like America. And then now we're into like Ireland, Scotland and England. And once we get like set into that subject, all these things like start to. Uh, kind of pop out at us and we're like holy shit and then from those trails we're able to like grab a hold of that and go in another direction and like it seemingly all connects to each other so like i guess like you know and it's kind of inspirational for us it like gives us inspiration to go to this next time kind of topic you know and uh, i would assume like when you're writing like inspirational music or uh, trying to awaken people or uh, like telling people about like what's going on in the world like you know there's probably certain topics that you're like oh fuck this like opened my eyes now I want to use that to like help other people open their eyes to what's going on here too you
4: know? yeah absolutely man and yeah I'm I'm the type of person where I'll, I'll get kind of obsessed with researching something for a period of time and I'll just do like a deep dive on whatever it is that i'm interested in at the time you know recently it's it's been a lot of like the the old world you know cathedral type mm-hmm. stuff tartaria theory and trying to infuse that with the music but um you know previously like you know i was there, there was a period where i was just obsessed with researching like plant medicine and like ayahuasca mm-hmm. and that sort of thing and you know sitting in ceremonies and um you know that was taking a little bit more of a, a front seat in terms of the music that i was making Um, But I would say that in general, I try to keep my, my concepts pretty loose, so that they're open to like whatever comes through when I'm writing. So I'll, I'll generally think of a concept before writing, but not always, sometimes I'll just sit down and just start writing. And then the concept will kind of emerge as I start Mm -hmm. writing. And then I'll be like, okay, it seems like this is what, you know, spirit wants me to write about right now. And then, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of craft the song around that. But I think, like, you know, if people go and listen to my music, they'll see that it's it's a very open-ended invitation to, like, explore the great mystery. And I kind of want it to be, like, a choose-your-own-adventure type thing where you could listen to a song. Different people can listen to the same song and hear different things in that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of my wordplay and my lyrics and vocabulary and things that I choose to use are pretty abstract you know and there's lots of like um you know metaphors and things that you could interpret different ways and i really like making music like that where it's not so you know concrete exactly what i'm saying um however certain songs do have very concrete messages so like there's this one song called guy in Mine" on the new album and when i perform that i always say this is a love song for mother earth you know give it up for gaia and that's mm-hmm. what the song's about. It's a love song for Gaia, you know, and it's talking about trying to come into a harmonious relationship with Gaia and, you know, just how we play an important role. You know, we're all a piece of this greater, you know, mystery of this place that we live. And, you know, it's never too late to step into that. And, you know, that song in particular, like, I really want it to be just a super uplifting, hopeful, happy um you know take on that and and that that makes me think too a lot of times i'm kind of going more for like an emotion you know than a a particular concept so like certain songs i want them to be very like deep and mysterious and kind of eerie and other songs i want them to be more fun like you know dancing in the club on a friday night and and Mm And I'm always trying to think of, like, concepts that were different from the last one. Like, I might write two songs that are kind of about the same thing, but I'm constantly thinking about, like, how do I make this different than the last one? And, like, for this new album, even though it's all stuff I wrote over the last three years and, like, there is a through line, I think that you can listen to each individual song And hear something very different and hear you know different emotions coming through and different ideas and some of them it's much more clear what i'm talking about some of them it's much more vague and abstract um but yeah it's usually just kind of like whatever i'm thinking about in the moment and Mm -hmm. then um you know specific things within the lyrics that relate to that but i I do like to keep it kind of general just because then you're creating music for for more people because it's like if you're not really into this thing like you know maybe you don't give a fuck about gaia you know i god forbid but it's like still hopefully there's something in that song that people would like you know still maybe they'd like the emotion behind the song they'd like the beat you know so it's like i don't want to get too specific but at the same time sometimes you have to like that song transformation uh and it's transformation for those who are listening who haven't seen the album um that song i really wanted to just kind of like just take down the the narrative that has been put forth by the mainstream and the establishment and you know it's it's talking a lot about like the covid agenda but it's also getting into like cancel culture and some of the fucked up shit going on with that and uh in the in the hook of the song i say uh you know cancel me cancel me you know over and over again kind of as a joke uh, being like, hey, I, I know that there's probably some people out there who don't like what I'm saying. Well, fucking cancel me. You know, like, I'm I'm here. I'm not going away. Cancel me. You know, so like, that song in particular was uh, you know, I was really going for a specific kind of like, I, there's no doubting what I'm saying as you're listening to that. It's much less abstract, but um, yeah, I kind of try to just, you know, come at it from all angles and as I'm starting to research new things, I infuse that into the music but it's it's okay to just like sit down and start writing and not really know what I'm going to write about. And then, you know, the meaning, the message just emerges through that process. Excellent.
3: Awesome. Roman, you, you did you have any questions? I, I was going to ask another one, but I don't want to, no, away. it's,
1: no, you're good and you're growing. I love it.
3: Roll on with it, uh, baby. I love it. I, know, I, was, I was just going to ask her like, uh, what what are kind of your thoughts on Tartaria uh, or the old world and uh, what Because I mean, there's lots of different uh, schools of thought on what Tartaria is or was or whatnot. You know, a lot of old world stuff here in America and the the connection to um like Tartaria, which is like uh, north, the steppes of Russia, all the way to the the Black Sea and whatnot. But, uh, like, what are kind of some of your thoughts uh, about Tartaria and, like, what intrigues you about it or the old
5: world?
4: Oh, man. All right. I'll try to keep this brief. Uh, But (laughs) so I think the thing that initially grabbed me was, you know, oftentimes when we think about our past and where we came from, it's, it's pretty depressing, you know, and we're told all these stories about, you know, how savage and brutal and, you know, fucked up society used to be. And, you know, I've kind of always known that we're not like at the pinnacle of, you know, technology and, you know, harmony with the planet. But when I first started looking into it, it just made so much sense because it was like, it was a very hopeful look on the past, you know, it was was, uh, kind of a breath of fresh air, you know, hearing a, a story, a theory that presented, um, this information in a way where it 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 really seems like things were pretty amazing in a lot of ways back then. They had a lot of things figured out that uh you know, we've seemed to to lose. And it, it also explained a lot of things, you know, it explained a lot of these anomalies that I'd come across over the years in a really cool way that tied them together and seemed to answer a lot of questions. However, as I look more and more into it, I'm, I'm left with much more questions than answers. And, um, and you know, I think when you think about how this, this theory has just like blown up and it's all over TikTok and it's like, you know, it's just everywhere. Um, something's kind of fishy about that to me. Like, it seems like maybe there Mm. is some kind of an agenda behind that because like, why if if it's this hidden information that they don't want us to know about then like why the hell would it be all over social media and just like i mean i'm in my own little reality tunnel i understand that when i'm on instagram or whatever like i'm i'm being fed stuff that you know is it's a confirmation bias like we all know about that um so that's a little weird you know When when you zoom out and think about like why all of a sudden did this just like you know come out and you know everyone's talking about it but um i think you know a lot of the most interesting stuff to me has to do with the architecture and mm-hmm. these these buildings that um seem like they've been around for a long time and i just do not believe that that early settlers and horses and buggies built them and and I think it's awesome that you can actually go see these buildings they're still there you know they're in, in every city some cities more than others i'm in minnesota right now and they're all over the place um and it's it's pretty cool to be able to have this kind of alternative theory where you can actually go out and do real like research boots on the ground and actually see it and touch it and like go inside these buildings i was just in mexico inside of these like crazy cathedrals and Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think it was one of the first kind of like alternative theories I came across where, um, it presented me with some information that was so new and exciting, um, that it kind of completely flipped the script in terms of like what I thought was possible, but also just really excited about the fact that I could go and see this stuff in real life. Um, and then the other thing that I'll say real quick is, you know, I love like, Graham Hancock. And, um, you know, uh, fuck, who's the other dude's name? I was uh the dude that, Yeah, yeah. Randall Carlson, like, like, I've always been a big fan of theirs. But I, I do think it's a little, little, you know, interesting, that right as this Tartaria old world, you know, Antiquotech information is coming out. Now, finally, they're out, you know, in the mainstream, they got a show on Netflix, you know, they're on Joe Rogan, everyone's talking about this stuff. And I watched ran, I watched uh, a couple episodes of Ancient Apocalypse or whatever, and I thought it was so funny that there was this one episode where he's talking about this area. I think it was in Mexico, and he's talking about these old ruins, and sitting right on top of the old ruins is this exquisite, amazing cathedral. And And he doesn't even talk about the cathedral. He's just talking about all the ruins underneath it. So I think that there is this kind of, like, this, you know this effort to kind of push people like further back in time, like, don't look at that stuff that like, you know, is only like Mm -hmm. 500 years old. Don't look at that stuff. That's only a couple hundred years old. Look at that stuff. That's like thousands of years old. Like that's what we need to be talking about. Like that's the conversation. And and it does seem like as a lot of this information is coming out and people are asking questions, it's like, well, people are on to history. You know, people are starting to figure out that like they've been told all these lies about history. So let's get them focused on like, long long time ago yeah, yeah, yeah. let's let's kind of like shift the focus there because that's going to bring less attention to this stuff that like we can't really get rid of you know it's it's there like you can go see these buildings you can you know talk to architects who will tell you that they can't they can't build those um and so i don't know that that's really the most interesting thing to me but also you know like the, the orphan trains and the asylums and that whole situation where there's all these like little kids being chipped around and all the adults are being thrown in asylums. Like it makes so much sense. And
3: um, With the asylums, we kind of figured out through doing a show on like witches and stuff that maybe they're building these asylums to put women in uh, because they deemed them all to be witches. So they're building them to stick them into mental institutions because they wanted to try to get rid of all these witches uh, before that, before the time that they, you know, started to burn them all, they were just sending them away into these facilities. If anybody was pagan or not supporting, uh, you know, the Christian identity of what um, they wanted America to be, they would just kind of stick them away in these mental asylums. Yeah, so that's a interesting aspect that we kind of stumbled upon just looking into witches and and kind of how that all came to the Americas. But, Absolutely. Um,
4: if if I can know, say one I more think, thing about that too. Yeah. So you guys know like E on the guy who did like the, like, the five hour long. Yeah. 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 So like I, I feel like most people have probably seen like little bits and pieces of that. So like that shit kind of blew my mind the first time I saw it, and you know it was there's aspects of it where I'm like, eh, something's kind of off about this dude, but like the information's like super intriguing, whatever. He did this episode with Crow recently. I don't know if you guys have heard it, where he basically comes out and he's mm-hmm. like, "I was all wrong." Like, you know, I I realized, like, I you know, this is not true. Whatever. Like, after putting out these like epic documentaries that like break down shit that like I've never heard anyone else talk about, and I think someone got to it, man. Like, I I really think somebody got to you are and and like told him like, "Yo, dude, you, you've went too far. Like, you need to like backtrack and." Like that was the vibe that I got from that because kind of like a
1: Tracy Twyman situation.
4: Maybe I don't know too much about that. Uh, I know who she is, but I, I don't know exactly what happened with her. But that was weird to me because I mean, how could you spend you know how could you? you probably spent hundreds and hundreds of hours putting out these documentaries that went so so deep, and then to just backtrack 100 percent and be like, oh nope, none of that. Don't don't look over there. Like that to me it was super mm-hmm. fucking weird, and I love Crow. Like I, I listen to pretty much every episode, but like that one was was weird to me. It was like, huh, what was like, Crow what's, saying? What's going on? And, he was and... pretty much in agreement. Crow is not a fan of Tartaria theory, and and a lot of people aren't. Mm. And you know, I I understand. You know, it's like I I'm not saying that I believe all these things. I think they just bring a lot of interesting things into the conversation you know and, and the, the and mind kind of, uh, unveiled is really good as
3: well yeah mm, In, in yeah. defense or uh a contrary uh opinion i guess i would say that maybe maybe he dove die uh did deep dive into all of that and then when he finally was done he realized like oh some of the yeah some of the stuff i guess doesn't make sense or maybe he realized like oh it was all psyop to begin with or you know maybe he had like an epiphany or realization towards the end where he was like "Ah, oh, i see what's going on and now he feels bad because he led people into the wrong direction or whatnot um i feel on, that you know stuff he found out not saying that's true or not true or maybe he did have somebody you know talk to him but I'm just saying sometimes when you yeah. go into these deep dives and you go into it you go into it like wholeheartedly thinking like you're uncovering stuff and then when you get to the end you're like oh shit!" well maybe it's something totally different than i thought of at the beginning like these asylums that i was just mentioning like and how they had to do with witches and stuff like that and uh, i think that's very intriguing and interesting and the whole orphan train situation there's an the idea that you know there's a lot of wars going on in europe so if, if they were just taking these kids from their parents that had died and then bringing them to the new world and then putting them to work, uh, because they needed workers to build America back up, and, and these kids were orphans, so seemingly they could just use them as slave labor, uh, because they didn't have a home or parents to go to, so they could have just that could have been where the orphans were coming from. It doesn't have, necessarily have to be that they were uh you know created in a lavatory. i think some of the ideas are is like you know that's why i have these incubators that were like cloning children and 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 whatnot so you know some of some of the ideas kind of go a little bit out there and when you dive deep in the history when you dive deep in the history you can find a kind of find some other things that are kind of alternative that are a little maybe even more mainstream and I think a lot of people especially with Tartaria, they like to just go out to like the crazy outskirts of everything to try to explain stuff because they don't want anything to do with mainstream there and it's well it's like that sometimes uh that can get you really into the weeds you know
1: it's like uh yeah. what, what he was talking, what casey was talking about earlier about how he makes some music like in the beginning you're just putting all your creative juice into it and as you go back to refine it you know you're cutting out some of the corners that are, you know, maybe loose ends or something like, I think it there. Cause with the, <laughs> with the uh, incubation chambers and creating babies and stuff like that, <clears throat> there is some very strange and interesting threats talking about Tartaria, you know, and Atlantis and, you know, the rise of this, society that uh was so technologically advanced it was time that it made itself fall that um you know and then you go into some of like the more anunnaki story that that we were created genetically modified and spliced to you know do our bidding so it's not that far off from stories that have been told throughout antiquity as well though you know to just say it blatantly like they're making babies like they're all homunculus. like yeah. you know. You gotta like, yeah. like, well, let 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 let's, 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 let's fine tune this a little bit because I like where you're going, but how can yeah. we, how can we ma- master this mix? For sure. And yeah. another thing that that I
4: find kind of like, you know, maybe questioned with the whole narrative is like this idea that it was just this harmonious civilization where everyone was living in peace and you know they had free energy and it was all. It's all great, and like we just need to go back to those times. Like I think that could kind of be the psyop of it all, like because when you it's a
1: romanticization you look, type of thing,
4: it is, and and a lot of it is based in this this higher technology, this free energy, you know. So it's kind of like planting the seeds of this idea where it's like, oh, if we could just go back to that time, if we could just figure out how to harvest or, this.
3: Sorry, sorry, go. Ahead.
4: No, it's all good. That was that was really I'm all saying, I was say.
3: I was gonna say or. it's uh kind of like Psyopy because they're saying oh look at all this fabulous technology that we used to have we should go back to that area or that time here comes transhumanism yeah yeah this is just this is just like tartaria of old now you guys can have all that again if you subscribe to the technocracy you know what i mean so it could be that too i'm i'm kind of on a bunch of different fences with tartaria but totally. uh, I, I think it's also an exciting topic to talk about and uh it brings up different ideas which is always fun to go into and great for us because we have a fucking podcast so <laughs> we, we get yeah
4: thank you for asking me about it because yeah i love just like just hearing what other people have to think about it because i yeah i don't claim to have any kind of answers in that realm. And that's why I've spent so much time looking into it, because it's just like endlessly fascinating. And uh, it's exciting. You know, I really just like tend to look into things that get me excited. And once I find something that's really exciting, I'll just like, keep looking into it and Mm. until it's not exciting anymore, and then move on to the next thing. And the other thing that uh, that whole line of thinking got me looking into is like, these like hidden lands, like the potential, mm. you know, hidden lands are like the North Pole or Antarctica. And like, that is probably one of the most fascinating things to me, this idea that there may be some areas off the map uh, that we don't know about. And like, if, if that's even like a little bit true, that is so fucking crazy. And I just I wish more people would talk about that because I know it's super crazy. But Um, not obviously to you guys, but to the average person, you know, this idea that there's like (laughs) hidden continents or hidden land masses or areas, you know, that we, we don't know about exist or that places or people are keeping us from going. Um, and that to me is like, that's like something I really like looking into.
1: No, I think it's, uh, it's really interesting too, uh, like (sighs) that you know, naturally we're, we're, we're adventurers. We want to, we want to explore. We want to go to mm-hmm. the depths of, you know, we want to hike to the top of the mountain. We want to see, see, but we also want to know we're adventurers of knowledge. And so, you know, in order to keep us like within a contained situation or within a, a, a contained reality, telling us that there's only so much land and, you know, then, then it's just, everybody's like, well, I already know that there's, you know, there's nothing else out there, so we have to go to space. There's nothing more here on earth. We we need to yeah. go up, we need to go out, but you know, if they're and I I think uh at the first place that I met you was um please oh manifest. It was this festival mm-hmm. in Oregon. Yeah and I was sitting by the fire with um Up is Down Podcast. What, what's what's our homie's name that hosts Dean. that show? Dean. He's he's Dean. back. He's, you, he's gone you know, for like a year he's, he just put out a new episode the other day good because he's good i love i love the way he does it and he knows how to mix a show make it sound good i i love dean yep. so we're having some pretty deep chats by the fire drinking beers like just going in on it and you know it's like the polls the fucking polls like they're so mysterious they're so off like you know you can't look it up, you can't go there, it's owned by military, you'll die, harsh conditions. Then you read books like The Smoky God and these other cultures that talk about there being some sort of like entrance around the poles that will bring you to this, like, it's a higher echelon, but it's more within, kind of like when you're going within your consciousness, you're you're not going on a big hike, you're going on a big hike within yourself, but you're expanding so far out the same time you're going to space but you're really only going within to the eternal vastness of the consciousness yeah man like (laughs) i I that's yeah that's where i'm like i i'm definitely uh, big on like volcanic volcanic portals like i definitely think well i want to ask you this bro because you did that awesome festival down in mexico what was uh what was one of your big takeaways or who's your favorite uh uh, presenter there like what was uh something that just kind of blew your mind from that uh the conference
4: you know i did not check out that many talks at the conference i was just kind of like talking to people outside most of the time you were vibing Uh, yeah i probably saw like five talks throughout the weekend there was probably like you know 50 some that i could have seen but i'll say my biggest takeaway was that um there's a lot of people out there who aren't black-pilled yet who have a lot of hope who are actually coming up with solutions and practical uh, things that we can do in our everyday life to opt out of the establishment to exit and build, as they call it. And, um, you know, Derek, Derek Rose said something during his speech, which I I couldn't miss, you know, he's, he's such a G. He's also an MC. I don't know if most people know that, but he, he has an album, like he's like an underground rapper. Uh, as well as an author, as well as like a million other things. Um, but, you know, he, he was talking about how important it is to actually like, not let yourself get black billed. And also, to to not just spend all of your time looking into things and consuming information, because I think a lot of us kind of fall into the trap of like, just constantly researching, and like, you know, like, we find out about this new thing and then we want to research it to tell other people about it. But it's like, what are we actually building? What are we actually doing to create a better future for our children and for future generations to come? And I saw a lot of people who were doing that, who were devoting their life to actually building things that were going to function as parallel systems, you know, decentralized networks um, in You know in the event that we might need them but also in the event that we maybe don't need them but we just have another option and i've never seen so many people actually taking real action and to me that was my big takeaway i was just like this is it like this is the community that's actually fucking doing something and it's not to say that you know researching things isn't good it's not to say that just talking about things isn't good but at the end of the day if we're not building something you know, creating something new, what are we really doing? I mean, you can you can be filled with all this information, but you need to apply it. And you know, I try to apply it through my music. But even that, you know, I realized I could be doing so much more, you know, I could be, you know, doing way more with these events. And in terms of like, not just the music, but all all the rest of the stuff at the events, you know, supporting, you know, other people bringing in vendors and like, do you know, holding these events at places that you know, support these values. And um, so that I think was the most inspiring thing to me was just kind of this like take action mentality, this like, bravery and fearlessness that so many of the people there uh, put forth in the work that they do, and just the the willingness to do the work and to bring the community together and, and create these like, you know, decentralized networks um, that that was, yeah, really what, what got me the most fired up.
1: Well, that's cause it's the the greatest thing on the planet, <laughs> community, <much. laughs> you know, community and, and like something to aspire towards and, and creative force between coming together with people. Like, you know, we might be experiencing a Renaissance of sorts in that sense. And, you know, one of the, one of the biggest things that we get lied about, or, you know, that's, that's in a big control. Uh, pickle is is like free energy and and understanding how electricity works like something i've come to realization lately is like that internet and wi-fi is not something that humans ever created it's something that we simply sourced and funneled and learned how to manipulate and that it's inevitable that we would always be uh have 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 it a part of us like in, in in any part of society whether we knew we were in like a you know in a primitive society we knew we were connected with this etherical force or at a time when atlantis was at high and tartaria was running and they knew that they were tapping into ether- a uh physics like I, I really think that that is something that's going to be coming to the source very soon kind of like what dan was saying it's like you know they're showing us all this ancient information to be like, Hey, isn't this cool? Like, what if we got there? It's like, yeah. you know? Uh, so yeah, dude, it's, it's super fascinating. I I think something that people can do, even if they like don't know how to contribute is by going to the events. Like that is a part of building. Cause you mm-hmm. put yourself in the wall of the community to build it taller, bigger, stronger and brighter and better. And uh, Dan and I, we've talked about going to different conferences and shows and things a lot we haven't yet to truly make it out, but I mean, you know, we built an awesome yes, little community here on, on the rise from the ashes. And I, you know, I want us to all come together at one of these festivals in a place so we can like all meet and vibe and talk about how we can make ourselves more useful. Cause let's talk about, you're talking about black pill, man. Like the times are crazy right now. Like you had the AI chat GPT, Dan, you know, saying, like, what's happening on Sunday, February 12th? And it was like, well, a portal's going to open. Aliens are going to attack. It's going to be one of the most memorable things in all of human history. It will transition and pivot point us as a society. (laughs) And that drove conspiracy theorists up the fucking yang, Same thing as the Super Bowl. And then, but lo and behold, that same day, there actually was big things that did happen. Mauna Kea here on Hawaii was actually reported by Japanese Uh, observatory that there was a red light scanning Mauna Kea and it was on the news. And they said it was a Chinese balloon, a Chinese, you know, piece of technology. And they said that it was scanning Mauna Kea. And what's really interesting about that is there's a bunch of rumors that Mauna Kea is hollowed out. And because everybody knows about Pearl Harbor and Oahu knows about that military base, but uh, what's a little bit more esoteric is that, If you drive up here in Hawaii on the upper highway and you look at Mauna Kea, you will see grassy knolls that have a door in them, a big bunker door. We're not talking like a little Hobbit Hill shrine door. We're talking like a drive a tank or a fucking jet in that. And so it's really interesting time, especially with the hundreds of balloons that said to have come over. And I, I'm not black billed by any means, you know, like sometimes I'll have days where I'm more black billed than others. It's like, it's like a multivitamin, oh, yeah. you know, multivitamin, which one are you taking for today? You know? Um, but anyways, what's your, what's your take on, uh, on kind of like the more, uh, potential on the WW3, uh, situation that we might be a drink.
4: <laughs> Just in terms of like these balloons getting shot down and stuff, the UFOs and stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly.
4: Oh, man, dude, I've got so many. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. they're not even really original theories. I've just, like, heard of so many different theories that make sense. I mean, obviously, like, the, the Project Blue Beam. you know, we've all heard heard about mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, on a more simple level, like, you know, we're about to propose the, mo- the biggest military budget that's ever been proposed. So it's kind of like drum- trying to drum up support for that. It's like if all, uh. the, if all this, like, you know, mm-hmm. unidentified shit's happening, you know, mm-hmm. in the sky, maybe it's just a way to get people to like support more money for the military. I think mm-hmm. I heard Mon- Monica Perez say something on the Union of the Unwanted about, um, you know, it's, it's the first time that we've seen like the North American alliance, you know, like Biden and Trudeau are like agreeing like on shooting these things down. And Biden's like, yeah, I support Trudeau. And Trudeau's like, yeah, I support Biden. So it's like maybe trying to kind of get people used to that, like, you know, our... Uh, our, mm. our so-called leaders you know working together um, to take out exterior threats um, I think it could just be a distraction you know if you think about what happened in Ohio with the with the train if you think about uh, the um, Seymour Hirsch article that just came out about the Nord Stream Pipeline and like I mean he's like one of the greatest mm. journalists of all time to the point where you can't debunk the dude you can only call him old and like maybe a little confused but it's like like it could just be a big distraction, you know, and then maybe and you know, Rihanna,
3: this... Rihanna right. having the Antichrist baby.
4: <laughs> I didn't hear about. That. I, I I didn't actually watch didn't. the the Super Bowl, but
3: it, in the Super Bowl, she was pregnant and she was all dressed in red and she had these people in uh these weird white, yeah, fluffy suit, uh, fluffy Michelin man like costumes all <laughs> dancing around there, and uh. At one point, she like grabbed her crotch and smelled it, and then she's dressed in all red and <laughs> uh, she held up like the diamond triangle sign yeah. at the end, and so the camera faded uh, away or something. Yeah, everybody's like, "Oh, she's got the antichrist baby." she's the <sighs> christ and it's like they do this with every single rapper they always put them in red and oh yeah push them up through the hole and fire and they just did the same exact thing at the like whatever well it's award show that was oh know, the, yeah like, the ah.
1: grammys with Sam Smith like that one was oh, yeah, no yeah. hiding it the song was called unholy he had horns the girl <laughs> in a cage humping the cage like um no yeah. but that's because it is like a form of like you know if these if there are you know, these higher echelons of secret societies and what have you. And they're, they need to, you know, like we don't maybe come together as a culture anymore and like sacrifice a goat to, uh, you know, to a specific deity to main praise at a certain astrological time to have sustenance, but some do. And, but I think on a societal level to get us to do these things, they will host, big large events where millions of people are watching so that is a community event you have a sacrifice mm-hmm. of sorts you know like yeah I don't know it's yeah it's really really interesting but the Sam Smith performance was really fucking dumb it was so bad because the music was so bad it was like where is the musicianship mm-hmm. like how is this the musical awards yeah, like the- where is the where's the band where's the where's the mm-hmm. sick poured chord progression that's breaking jazz theory like what what's going on like do we listen to music anymore like is there music theory in <laughs> modern music like i don't think so
3: i felt, I felt like the super bowl was super, the the halftime show was super flat it was just dull it was just same thing over and over and over again it was really boring um but like as as a as a rapper and stuff like what do you what do you think about like kind of uh, you know these things that they show us on tv and try to hype up like even like tom mcdonald who is like seemingly like a conscious type of rapper rapping about conspiracies and whatnot that guy kind of came out of nowhere too and his girlfriend's name is uh nova rockefeller which is fucking weird hey, right hey, so it's like <laughs> so it's like where's where's this guy at you know so i don't you know, I, I know a lot of people are into them and like them and that's fine, but I'm, I'm just saying it's interesting, you know?
4: Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to like, you know, sum it all up because there's so much going on, but what I always kind of come back to is that like, whoever's pulling the strings behind whatever, whether it's music or uh, politics or, you know, whatever's trending online we give them too much credit sometimes and Mm -hmm. and really they're, they're kind of pulling at strings, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to maintain any kind of sense of control. And, you know, when you're, you know, an egocentric narcissist, you know, working with dark, dark magic, uh, a lot of times, you're not really thinking straight. And in particularly with music, what's happening, I think is like, they are losing control of music because it used to be, that you had to go through the labels, you had to, you know, put Mm. forth something that was being accepted by the mainstream. And there were these gatekeepers, you know, where it's like, you're, you're only going to make it as an artist. If, you know, you are accepted by the labels, and your music is filtered through to the radio stations. And, you know, it was it was a very kind of linear path for how an artist could make it. And now it's just completely been flipped on its head. I mean, now a lot of the biggest musicians are independent and anybody can upload their music online. And if it's good enough and if it gains some kind of traction, that person can get enough awareness for their project where they can go around the world and play shows and they can book those shows themselves and they can reach large amounts of people and, and bring an alternative message you know bring a message that's not being put forth by the mainstream and this is happening right now i mean if you look at like music festival culture um a lot of these artists are independent and you know some of them might have labels or you know they might have managers or agents and you know sometimes it seems like they're not independent but they're not working with the major labels and i i think that with a lot of this you know it's 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 not only trying to like maintain some kind of control on the music in terms of like, this is the message like this is what's hot right now. This is what we're trying to put out. Um, But it's also kind of like, trying to tell artists in a subconscious way, like, hey, if you want to be a successful artist, if you want to make it, then this is the kind of stuff that we want you to put out. Um And you know, trying to get to the artists in that in that way. But that's, I guess, kind of how I would break it down on a simple level is it's like, you know, by being more and more extreme and overt in terms of like the the display of of some of the stuff to the point where it's almost like comical it almost seems like they're you know trolling us you know with some of these performances it's it's like it's kind of trying to scare artists you know in, into a state where they they feel like they have to fall in line with that if if they want to make it but um I don't know. That's one of the reasons I love music so much. And I think it has such great potential is because you can really make it independently and using the internet and, Mm. you know, obviously having a powerful message to put out there. um, You know, there's such vast potential for people, you know, pursuing the art from a genuine place and putting out their own personal truth, which doesn't really exist in other art forms. Um, Mm. So I don't know. That's, that's kind of how I see it, but
3: I think there's another like underlying thing that uh, people aren't noticing or talking about either, and that's um, you know, like when you're younger, you kind of like like the evil villain. You like you like uh, Magneto or you like the Joker or Darth Vader or whatnot. Like that excites you because it's against like the norm. You know, it's like rebellious to like that, and so to put that out during. Super Bowl or award shows when you know kids or whatever are watching, or it's gonna get uh little clips on YouTube and TikTok and shit, and people are gonna see it. They're gonna see that as like, oh, that's like a rebellious thing to do. So now I'm gonna start listening to that music. It's almost like a way to get more listeners or or you know, get more people interested in it because it's like so uh you know bad it's villainous it's like rebellious so you no know, oh, yeah. you know what i mean so I, I think that could be a thing too like because like you said the music industry is kind of dying because people can do their own shit so if you put out this shit in this way it like kind of attracts people to it because they want to wonder so now even though the super bowl halftime show was boring as fuck now everybody and their mother is talking about rihanna having an antichrist baby so it's like
2: yeah man you know.
4: and something i always go back to too is like you know when i have these conversations with people and i'm like that's kind of fucked up that like you know little nas x is like selling shoes with like pentagrams and human blood and then they're like oh that's just some satanic panic bullshit you know and like they'll accuse me of being this like narrow-minded person I'm like oh it's just art you know it's like you're just like going back to that satanic panic Mm-hmm. and i think it was like on the great deception uh, they do this like monday night master debaters that i like listening to mm-hmm. and i think they're talking about how like and maybe it was another show i listen to so many shows but they're like talking about how at least back in the day like there was some pushback like at least back in the day and maybe it wasn't coming from the best place you know but at least people were kind of looking at like you know ozzy osborne and something and kind of questioning <laughs> and being like you know should we have all this darkness you know, like like there was a conversation that was happening, and and it's it doesn't yeah. necessarily justify justify like the burning of CDs. And I'm not even saying that this right. this music shouldn't exist. I think that it should have a place. If that's the kind of music that you want to put out, and it's coming from a genuine place, do it. You know, we we should all have the freedom to put out whatever kind of message we want in our music. But the way that it's pushed to yeah. the top, and the way that the conversation is diminished to the point where now you can't question it, and now if you even try to question anything about this and and say that it's not art, you know, and like in in the box that we're put in, you know, just for questioning it, it's like I'm not some staunch, you know, religious zealot. Like, like I I'm more so trying to like, you know, look after the children and like look after like the kinds of messages that we're putting in young people's heads and the focus on the darkness um, to me needs to be questioned you know when you see that much darkness you know in the mainstream and you know life is all about the light and the dark my music deals with these elements but when you diminish the hope and the dis the inspiration and you disempower people you know into you know a materialist mindset where spirit is not even discussed and, and if you are talking about spirit, you're talking about dark spirit like I think we've really kind of crossed over into a pretty dangerous place with music where now, this stuff is not being questioned at all and it's just you know just being accepted as, as this is just art and this is just the way things are and just get used to it get used to blood and shoes and get used to people dancing around in devil horns like that's uh, just art you know and like i'm i'm not cool with that i think we still need to have the conversation and ask like why is this being put out you know so aggressively like what's it all about
3: the- That's what I'm talking about, though, because when I was young and impressionable and I heard that Ozzy was evil or Kiss is fucking evil, like it made me go, oh, I want to listen to this shit now because it's, you know, it's, I'm not supposed to. My parents hate it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and like then when you get older and you look at it, you're like, Ozzy's fucking not evil at all. No. He's, uh, and then Kiss is not Knights and Satan's service. They're, they're, not that evil like they try to be that they have they try to fit that persona and it's all about these different personas that they're trying to Im- 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 um implicate you know or whatever but uh it's kind of like it kind of goes into that so it's like oh it's it's this bad thing it's this rebel thing to go like this now and it it draws more people to it and so i i think they use that as kind of like maybe even like a black magic you could say or trying to get people into that or maybe maybe it makes people not believe in god or or whatever but even though they're using the satan symbolism which is attached to christianity in the first place it's not attached to like the other types of religion and whatnot so to me it's like it's either like it's either going to get you to be rebellious or it's going to get you to be um, going like, oh fuck, all this Satan shit. Time to believe in God now, and then that gets you into, you know, looking at the Bible or something else like that, which then they can also use to control you with. So, uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of things that play there. Maybe some of them aren't even real things. Maybe some of them are consequences right. of what the other intentions are or whatnot. So it's all it's all very interesting i try to just stay open-minded and yeah above and just look at it and take it for what it is and not try to get too uh you know emotional about what's being portrayed in the media i think that's totally. the big thing is people get super emotional about all the things in the media it's like you guys are gonna drive yourself crazy like trying to wonder about all these things like just let it go like just live your life that's the best you can do is live your life and be conscious and aware of what's going on but not not to 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 jump into all the craziness
4: absolutely and and to recognize that like all these artists are real people just like us i mean maybe some of them are clones or you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like, so who, who fucking knows at, at the end of the okay, day, but like, sure. <laughs> but really, yeah, like, they're all just like real people just like us, like, they're actually putting out, you know, something that they want to put out, whether or not they're being coaxed into it, you know, by the labels, it's like, uh there can only be so much manipulation behind the scenes, like, there can only be so much forcing of hands. I mean, it's, it's just a bunch of people, you know, making art, and it's kind of odd that certain things get pushed up, you know, to the top. Um, But at the end of the day, I I agree, it's like, it's not worth really overanalyzing this stuff, because that's kind of part of the game, you know, because the more time that we, the more time we spend, you know, spinning into chaos, like, questioning, like, what's the meaning behind this? Like, what what, were all the hidden meanings in this you know super bowl halftime show it's like then that's less time that we're spending getting in touch with ourselves and building community Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so that's why it's like i don't even really watch this shit i see the recaps i hear enough about it on podcasts (laughs) um but it is fascinating especially as an artist you know i i definitely do enjoy hearing all the theories and and ideas but it's it's kind of just funny to me Mm -hmm. at the end of the day like it's just you know, it's just, yeah. it's entertaining as long as you can keep an open mind and, and stay like, stay positive, yeah. you know, don't let it bring you down. Like, don't be, don't be worried about it.
3: It's like, it's like, be careful, Ryan Wave, because pretty soon when everybody hears your album, uh Crop Circles and con- uh Cathedrals, <laughs> they're going to be like, oh, what are you trying to say? That aliens are in charge of the church? You know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're it's gonna get spun in all kinds of ways and that might not have been the intention in the first place but people uh want to spin whatever they want to spend you know what i mean and so you, oh, you yeah. have to yeah <laughs> that's kind of what I, for
4: sure <laughs> and that's kind of what you sign up for a little bit as an artist and you know i i can't remember who said it but someone was like you know the best art makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable and if if you're not making people feel a little bit weird or unsettled mm-hmm. or uncomfortable with your art then you're not really doing it to the fullest potential and you know a lot of my favorite artists are pretty fucking weird you know and they put a lot of stuff into their art that I don't necessarily <laughs> agree with and you know I kind of question the motives behind it but to me yeah. it's just it just makes it more fascinating and um that's all i'm trying to do you know i just want to like give people things to ponder and uh i definitely don't expect people to agree with everything i'm saying i don't make the music for everyone you know i I hope everyone can find something that they relate to within it but you know i accepted a long time ago that this this weird music that i'm creating is is not going to be received the same by everyone um and so yeah i think as long as we can like stay inspired you know by others strangeness and you know weirdness and um accept the fact that you know some of the best ideas and inspiration come from things that might confuse us at first you know and then you know we have to kind of figure out uh you know how to interpret that's that's really what i think the most beautiful art is and um Mm -hmm. yeah i'm just trying to put out stuff
1: like that you know
3: excellent man Bro, and you, you are
2: you goes, are bro.
1: putting out stuff like that yeah. so that's why we love it that's why we love you my brother and uh hoping to uh to mix it up with you soon out here if we can get you uh if we can get a show for rhyme wave out here in hawaii i want everybody listening to this episode to buy a ticket okay it's not that expensive <laughs> treat yourself support the airlines support yes the airlines. hey you know I just was at the grocery store the other day, and they have this like great po- points program for uh Hawaiian Air. It's like Why don't you buy groceries and you get free miles. I'm like, what?
4: Damn.
1: Let's go. uh But anyways, I, I I I'm really glad we got to talk today, man. I'm glad it uh i worked out when it did. It's always funny because we'd been you know talking for like I don't know a couple weeks trying to set it up and. whenever it works out it always is like the best time for it to have worked out you know i think that's that's really (laughs) another shining example so uh keep the synchronicities flowing man it's 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 a true pleasure man you're riding that rhyme wave
4: yeah man pleasure's all mine you guys are amazing always love chatting with you and uh yeah super excited for what you're creating with this community and I haven't been super active in the telegram. It's honestly, it's just, there's so much stuff happening on telegram. I have a really hard time like (laughs) engaging, but I I am watching and I am checking in and honestly it's, it's really cool to see you guys chatting all day long and, uh, and yeah, just check out my music. Like if you're listening, you're kind of curious what I'm up to um, you'll find my music online. maybe there'll be a a link in the, in the show notes. Um, I try to send people to band camp and, away from the major streaming sites but if you like Spotify or iTunes you'll find it on there. I have a Patreon as well that people can check out with exclusive songs and uh yeah, the best thing for me if people are feeling what I'm doing is to just listen to the music and share it. Um just help me spread it around there.
3: Yeah, share it. Sure, man. Share it. <laughs> like a big well, thanks well, we we uh we appreciate you being here, man. Uh, it was good to talk to you again. It's been a while uh we should uh we should get you on a show with us so soon uh to interview a guest it'd be fun man it's always fun to bring on different even if you don't know what the fuck they're talking about it's still great because you You always have questions
1: yeah you always get and it's cool because like different perspectives like allow like for us to get different questions different thoughts in there so
3: yeah because we might be stuck in we might be stuck in this one way of thinking where when we bring somebody else in who thinks differently, they're going to be like, Oh, this makes sense to me here. I'm going to ask a question about that. Or maybe you need more information about a certain thing they're talking about. And us, we're like, Oh yeah, we already know all that shit. So we assume that everybody listening already knows about it too. And we don't you know, go into it a little deeper. So it's good to have, uh, outside you know people like asking questions and it it just uh, makes it more well-rounded and of uh, for everybody so don't be scared if we're like hey let's uh, why don't you come on this uh, show to talk about king arthur and you're like i don't know about king arthur it's cool dude don't worry about it just jump on and listen have fun ask a question or two and just enjoy the knowledge we need you casey we need you
4: (laughs) i love it the world needs you guys and uh and i just love how open you guys are and your willingness to collaborate and yeah it's a it's a super beautiful thing that you got going on and really excited to be a part of it so yeah let me
1: know how i can help and i'm very down nice all right well you guys can't get down with that
3: I'm Dan Unaki Dan. Hello, I am Homie Romy. How is it uh, going today, sir? It's going, 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 going. All
1: hours like and, Monday, hours and hours and hours and hours, man. Moon days are great.
3: Yes. Speaking of hours, hmm. we're here with LC King for a couple hours. We're going to get into where hours comes from, I'm pretty sure
0: yeah
3: right the measurement of time (laughs) through horus uh we're gonna be talking about some horses and equestrian uh things and how they relate to everything ideas (laughs) and and, yeah some some symbolism behind that
0: yeah how's it going elsie sorry (laughs) good day thanks for having me i'm going good I'm nice. uh, looking forward to... This is our second chat. I'm looking forward to our second chat. Yeah. Seems how's like Monday? You got Monday yeah, how's right your Monday going? Are you Tuesday? Uh, I'm Tuesday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the future. Right.
1: <laughs> he is. He's a future man. <laughs> Busting through the timelines. Um, no, I i am super, super excited to uh, to hear this new weave that you're working on because... And I'm curious how it came about uh, Because you 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 know famously uh, On the YouTubes was doing your YouTubes channel uh, On the YouTubes and You were doing earth battery goodness And connecting different uh, trilogies Of religions and You know a bunch of symbolic goodness And uh, Then you took a little bit Of a hiatus and then little did we know under the wraps under the seams you're still cooking up some cooking up some stuff so how did you get to uh this new uh piece that you started to work on here they're going to present today
0: uh it's sort of always been bubbling in the background ever since i've got into the because i've had an interest in mythology The whole time and alchemy and things like that. And it was part and parcel of looking at the electric world, right? Because you can't sort of just like go, well, it's just electrochemistry of the modern type. You have to sort of broaden your perspective and and go into the old alchemy and search for answers. And the other thing that was always sort of a part of this um, I guess, learning, um, constantly learning, is the zodiac. And so when you try and understand the Zodiac, you become familiar with those symbols, you become familiar with constellations, signs, and all the rest of it. And so uh, your repertoire just starts growing. And then um, the the two sort of merged, (laughs) if you like, because within the battery, there is a perfect example of a trinity. And then within sort of all the the mythological sciences, if you like, there is a perfect example of a trinity. And so they just started to mesh up and I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So um, this isn't just like high in the sky sort of stuff. It's actually telling you about how energy moves. Like a, that's-
1: a, b- a battery that keeps the system a power would be like the religion or or the symbols like the holy trinity symbol it's like oh well, this is our this is our religious battery we got to keep the system functioning keep the power in it
0: well you, well, you you're sort of right cuz you see the battery or this cuz what what essentially a battery is is you have the polarity which is you have your cathode and anode and then the two terminals of the battery and then you have a communication between them and so that's what Um, they depict as you know the angel on your shoulder and the devil on your shoulder uh, and they sort of battle it out for your sort of conscious mind if you like and so they're the the two sort of powers that are operating within you and so there's a direct correlation there you go
3: it makes me think of like joachim and boaz the two pillars and then building the two pillars you create that connection to god so it's like a electrical flow, and then you're able to have the capability to connect to that other power. Kundalini
0: rise. Yeah, exactly. And, and so when you look at the alchemical stuff, you can make a direct correlation to battery because they have the same sort of principles of play. Um, and really what always sort of... Um, was in my mind with this, I was like, "What is this character Mercury? You know, like the the Mercury character within the battery, within, um you know, the mythologies and all that." And it was it was not until I sort of started to understand it more that it was actually this communication, and that's what God God um, Mercury actually represents communication between two polarities, and that's where sort of we sit as well, right? It's like the The idea of uh signals sending signals or the word or whatever it is you want to want to talk about but it was really that um mercury figure that was so compelling (laughs) it it had so much like mystery to it and it still does it still has a uh, a mystery to it but it's um much more apparent much more scientific and in its in its nature now than it was before which was fairly ethereal
1: well it's uh it's always been like the mystery right like it seems like esoterica always seems to point back to just like kind of basics of hermetics and like hermetics being this like the ultimate esoteric wisdom for the most part like not necessarily like in a greek sense specifically even though that's the word we use hermetic um i feel like it was even part of the ma- Potential matriarchal society that was like before, you know, the dawn of the church. Even though the church fully embodies um, a lot of principles of Hermetic as well, yeah, it's like yeah. he's just always is the mystery, the little Hermes. Well, it,
0: it's it it is in a sense when you're um, because it's the middle path between the two polarities right it's the coming together of those two polarities it is the mystery that's where it's all sort of heaven exists in a sense because once you've reached that in your own world in your own life that um where you're depolarized in a sense that's when you're sort of like um really getting up there and you're not affected by the world of change in in a sense, you're becoming like the, the sage or the, the um, Zen Buddhist, you know, (laughs) reaching Nirvana in a sense because you're no longer polarized or part of the world of change. So it's, and there's in time within that, there's also this um, sort of comes with the territory is there's this understanding of death at the same time so you you understand the world of change and therefore you understand the the changeless world which is the eternal world that underpins it so it's um in that sense you're you're learning about the um the really eternality of our world and that is like mysterious in itself it is the epitome of the mystery in a sense Mm
1: -hmm. yes yeah absolutely and uh is there ever a time where i don't want to jump the gun too much on like the specific presentation of information that you have in store for us today but um is there any uh if you found in your research any like crossover symbolism with uh any other animal figures with this Hermes character? Um, sometimes I, I I know like an owl can be symbolizes that, but uh, and snakes obviously because of the Caduceus. But have you found any other uh, animal crossovers for the Mercury figure and symbolism?
0: Oh, uh, look! <coughs> yeah. it's a, it's it's saying, a- I'm working on something at the minute, and you're probably going to give a um, presentation later in the week. But um, the the whole idea is that Um, each of the zodiac signs is really a mercurial figure or it's pointing to that trinity god in a sense. So nearly every, and this is what really um, sort of throws a lot of people when they look at the mythologies and they sort of type it in Wikipedia and go, well, you know, this god's related to this god or um, this deity is related to via you know um, another deity and so on and so you get this genealogy that comes into play and that's sort of really off-putting really throws people's um, uh, how to understand it in a way and it's because there is only really um, one triune god and once you sort of say all these other gods are just fractals or different interpretations of that one triune, triune God. And so the triune God is really the positive, the negative, and the um, mixture of positive and negative. So it, it's simply a masculine, feminine, and then the mixture of the masculine and feminine. So all, Sorry. nearly all yeah it's between the so you'll have um the mother the father and the child and so it's it's very it's it seems simplistic but all the different sort of characters of the zodiac for instance um they are part of uh describing this triune god so if you look at aries it has the the horns that are coming out and it's uh it's encodes the lamb which in itself encodes the idea of a monad um, which again starts to point to um, the wholeness or the universality of it it also points to the head to arise um, which is pointing to the mind of man in a sense um, you look at the the symbology of pisces for example it's the vesica pisces it's all to do with the two fish which comes out of the geometry of the vesica and the vesica is the womb it is the joining of two circles which are basically the masculine and feminine circles the mirroring of two circles uh, that creates that specific uh, geometry that then brings about the trinity it brings about phi. It brings about sort of this idea of logos, and a lot of the time you'll see the man is actually uh, depicted within the vesica. What, and so what, it's
1: um yeah. sorry what, what so as we're on Pisces real quick and just touching in why the well the necessity to uh well, I don't know if necessity is the right word but grouping it into like a water sign right archetypally it's like part of a water sign but is yep. there something deeper to why they are fish and two fish swirling as opposed to an oro or like some sort of other like two birds circling each other or any other two figures because when you said geometry the first thing my first thing my brain fig- saw was like fish scales and like the complexity of that and some of them being shiny like a and they're bringing mercury in the water and in the, the ocean and things like that um and also a lot of talk of you know and look at some of the um like the fish gods or the fish association um, with yep. things in the past, so I was wondering if um if that plays in at all. The waters, the
0: yeah, it, yeah. I mean, why does, the fish? Okay, so uh, usually in the old of older, older uh, ways of um, understanding this, our world in a sense, you had an upper level and a lower level, and so the upper was air, and this is related to the gods of the air and then you have the lower which is related to matter and to um, water all right so water and air now water and air if you flip the the w you get mind and matter and this is a polarity that is extremely important um, because it helps explain a lot of the mythologies and that is whenever you see anything to do with air you're dealing with the mind so you know hermes or mercury has the winged helmet or the winged feet um there are you know what is there like uh the lion has wings (laughs) there's so many animals that are depicted with wings well whenever you see the wings or the winged discs is another one um that is to do with the mind and so it is the masculine sort of portion of it the up above the head and then you have the feminine portion which is to do with water and matter and materiality and so there is in our in us we are both made of material and mind and in actual fact there's no distinction really between mind and matter you you don't know where one begins and one ends and so and there is there is also the creation of um mind out of matter as well so there's the stories that go like that um, which is this out of the chaos if you like um, that darkness then it started to bring form and so there's this interplay that is where the mind is starting to construct and put into place matter in a, um, a logical way and it's through that you know mind through matter that really is part of our world in a sense is our world of change so whenever you see um water it's usually to do with the feminine and whenever you see air it's to do with the the masculine and the central pillar of our world that joins the two that central tree that that covers both mind and matter is really us all of man because um, yeah, we're born. We are born out of the Trinity in a sense because we're, we've got two parents, a masculine and a feminine parent, and that and we are born from them. So we are part part of our mother and part of our father, and so we're we're both in in that sense. We're both mind and matter as well. So we are the mercurial figure,
1: forever fractaling
0: out. It's like little yeah.
1: spores, you know, little spores, little funguses. It's uh, yeah,
0: so so that hopefully that makes <laughs> sense to people, you know, like what, what's going on in the sort of it's all really understood through polarity, and it's um, it's a really, you know, really, really interesting science. So, so
3: then in that logic, do you think like the the autumn disk uh, of Egypt is? about consciousness more than it is about the sun or some other thing that they're talking about when they're they're rising the Aden and Akhenaten uh
0: in Egypt. You know what I'm talking about? Um is that like the winged disc, like the scarab? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's the it's
3: the winged disc, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um to me that that really represents like um this idea of synthesis. Um and it's like the the top ball of the the mercurial rod as well isn't it so it's the top of the um it's the top of the the staff or the tree Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and when you're when you're talking about the um this world pillar then uh it's the top of the staff is polaris so polaris is that uh central unmoving point that is uh At the top of the the dome, if you like, and everything moves around it, and so it is the it is the timeless point of the world of change, change, if you like, because it's the unchanging point, and that is that's why it's so sort of special. When you look at things in in a polarity sense, you're you're looking at the world of change and the world that doesn't change. In a sense, the underpinning of it and i've likened it to sort of like this um it's a, a train running on a track and so the track is that immovable unchangeable thing that the train moves on and so timelessness um and this idea of eternity is the um basis for the world of change and so that's what that sort of uh central pillar is sort of recognizing and that's why you have like mount meru and these um ideas of the omphalos stone and and those ideas are coming into play and then you'll see the gods that are sitting on top of the mountain or they're on the top of mount olympus the undying ones if you like and they're eternal because that's what they represent they represent represent that unchanging eternal aspect of the sky if you like Mm. um that holds the world together
3: so it's not like knowledge or
0: pineal gland symbolism or well if you look at the symbolism of where our central pole is in within us it's our spine and it holds our head up it holds our head up and then that's that dot the eye uh the the dot on the top of the eye Mm -hmm. is is your third eye all right it's it's that crown portion that's the fontanelle as well the top of the head where the fountain uh, comes out (laughs) of the the torus of your own toroidal field if you like Mm -hmm. yeah so there's a so mercury's rod is your spine
1: Yep, the Caduceus, yeah, and that fully ties into well. So let's uh let's segue into this this horse talk because yeah this sure. this right here like the whole Caduceus and the spine and having two snakes is fully cor- you know cross correlated over into the Hindu understanding of the Kundalini and those two working together. I mean it's a per- it's the Vedic texts are talking about the same thing as the, you know the deep hermetic laws. And but I know for a fact in the Vedic, uh, you know, in the Vedic world that there was a lot of horses and a lot of cross co- uh, over animal symbolism, and so I'm really curious. Um, just get into the horses, man, because
0: sure, let's do it's it. So fascinating, the, dude. Yeah. Um, so I, I come across this because you know I do a bit of gematria. Um, I use the um, uh, the sevenfold cipher on the English uh, um, alphabet and then i used the greek gematria um and so I, I was playing around with that so when you type in what what happens is yeah nice the best so what I, what i was doing was um you, you sort of get used to once you play around with the the sevenfold um geometry a fair bit you find out a lot that's sort of encoded in it but you get used to looking for certain um numbers and and things that sort of show up and geometrical values if you like um and it's a and you have to do a bit more of a breakdown you can't just say well just because it's got one number you have to actually break the word down into vowels and consonants to actually find um you know what you want secondary information and correlations Um, otherwise it can be just too arbitrary but um, basically uh, when you look at the the mercurial figure of jesus and the the name mercury they are both exactly the same in geometrical values so jesus and mercury both equal 27 they'll break down further into 16 and 11 Uh, so and so you have a, a that's one specific one that is um, a, a direct correlation. Then you have like other ones that are mercurial in nature as well, like terminus, um, the monocerus, which is the unicorn, uh, also have those sort of encodes in it for specific reasons. Um, so the name Jesus also uh, has a relationship in the Greek in its in its um breakdown because the the letters are different to the number triple eight which has um relationships to uh geometry and specific types of geometry that's um related really to music in a lot of ways um but when you've the other one that i found that i found that was super interesting with the english um gematria of jesus was because jesus name actually um has a value of four five six 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 while i looked up equus and equus has um five four six 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 so it's it's pretty much exactly the same numbers Um, and if you count the five and the four they're just swapped around but they're both valuing nine so that led me that gave me a little insight so oh okay so what's what's with this word um it gave me somewhere to something to look at something to follow you know um so it, it's sort of like the tip of the hat when you, when you look at the the gematria value you don't take just that as the, like the that's it you you go well okay let's look for the secondary evidence it's just a way of finding secondary information so what about the, the
1: word equus made you look it up were you looking like you were thinking of equator equatorial like a plain flat, like pole or what, what about the word Equus? Was it horses that you were trying to look up or did you stumble across the word by literally just typing things in and uh, running things through uh, a cipher calculator?
0: Um, yeah, I can't really recall to the truth. I think I was on a, on a page for some other reason. Um, but nice. uh, the, the name stood out to me really because the second port, because equus is the scientific name of horse, right? So, um, equus stood out to me because the second word of it was cabalus. I'm like, oh, okay, so why is it the horse like equus is related to um, equal? so whenever you see equals something it's or and it's got this little movement um through the letters that you can go um e like eager um uh it relates to eagle so it has this equus to eagle movement um and it's got legal and and all these other different words that come from that equus movement and so when you do that you actually produce like this um the winged horse in a sense because you're actually um bringing together the horse and the eagle together (laughs) and which is really interesting because then you're looking at um uh, any of the winged horses and constellations like pegasus and things like that so that starts to come out of it but cabalus was really the uh word that sort of tipped me off off to look at it in a sense because um it's related to the cube. So Kabbalah is, is basically everything to do with the cube. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Dude equals cube. (laughs) Like the name. Yeah, Horse equals cube. You're like, okay, sweet. Done.
0: Yeah. And so now you've got the, the direct correlation to Jesus as a mercurial figure. And then now we go down the rabbit hole and look, and then I started to look at uh, where's, where are these horses showing up? And, um and sort of had some idea of what the what i was looking at and it's the rabbit hole just got bigger and bigger and bigger uh so it's just it's just crazy so um to really start to paint the picture of what is actually going on and why the horse became such a symbol for um basically the time lord or time itself um or the logos It really seems to have begun um, with the threshing floor or other type um, mechanisms, if you like, like that. Now, the the threshing floor is basically an old farming practice and it's where uh, there would be farmers and they would go and cut the the grain at, at harvest time and then they would take it up to this round circle usually up higher onto on a mountaintop or whatever where it was windier and they would take their uh their cut um stalks of wheat or or whatever grain that they were growing and they would spread it out in a circle and lay it down and so the the horse would be used to walk around in a circle. And as it walked over this, the grain, it would crush all the stalks and release the the seeds onto the floor of the of the threshing floor, basically. So the threshing floor is really just a hard circular floor. And sometimes it would have a central um, post in the center where that would attach the rope to the horse. And there would be a man that walked behind it, um, or walked behind the horse, or they would use a type of sled. So as, as they're walking around, as I said, they the the grains would then get uh, crushed, or the stalks would get crushed. The grains would fall out, and then they could sweep up their their uh, their seeds and then put them into a mill. And sometimes there was actually a mill in the center of the the threshing floor so there is a correlation a direct correlation between um this sort of circular uh threshing floor and a sundial Mm. and so when you're up on the up on the hill it's a perfect example you know when you've got releasing the grains from the um uh what do you call it the uh right, my, my son's the the husks of the wheat mm-hmm. when you could set that thresh them out and you'd throw them up in the and they'll blow away and that's why you were on the top of the um on top of the hill where the wind was it would blow away all that um all all the uh husks from the grain and they would have uh the good good seeds for yourself i've worked on
1: um on a couple farms with a buddy up in portland oregon who runs the portland seed company and he was working on a movement to like help farmers learn and teach them how to save seeds because there was <laughs> before um the 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 western grocer market you know world started to really thrive and um what we have now is food in the grocery stores like it was a that other half of farming was being able to reproduce your crops you didn't buy seeds each yeah. year from somebody you saved your own seeds so you would let a, like a certain portion of that of your um product be specific like 30 percent of your your stuff would go just to be seeds because what you when you save the seeds you can't use it or sell it you have to that's what you're doing for seed stock But that's not what farming is anymore, especially since Santo took over. They're like, no, we will supply you seeds that you actually, you know, don't save seeds. We're going to we're going to give you free seeds. okay? free seeds, use ours, whatever. Um, So I just want to say, like, having had done I I did celery one time and celery seeds are like they're just Just tiny. They're They're so so small. small. So we had to get this huge thing and bat them on the, you know, there and all they all fall to the middle. And so, yeah, uh, having a horse with a circle, you know, like uh, one of these threshing floors is probably something I should talk to my buddy Evan about. I'm like, Hey, get yourself one. Of these. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, just confirming the seed stuff, man. It's, it's not, it's not easy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's what the, the horse was used to do was separate the, um the, the grains and It became symbolic of the heavens, and the reason was that um, the the central pillar and it being in a perfect position, being up a little bit higher on the hill, it became a sundial. And so the analogy was that the horse was like the shadow of the sundial moving around and round, or it was like the yeah so it became also this idea of the central portion of that circle was the pole star while the horse was moving around it was the moving of the heavens as well so it became associated not just with the um hours of the day but with the the seasons and with the movement of the heavens and, and also, like, pulling the, the little threshing, uh, pulling the, ch- the chariot behind it or the, um, the sleigh behind it was like um, the moving of, you know, the, the heavenly bodies as well. So the, the horse was the unseen power behind the moving of the, the uh, sun and the moon, if you like and so horse you can see there's a quick movement in its name um between horse and hours as well and horus so you have horse horus hours and you also have Horai, which are basically goddesses of time and there really no hardly any difference between it the other thing that i found interesting that's sort of not really to do with time so much but um those those uh threshing floors uh would be perfect for creating a house so um the horse and the house is like one letter difference and so floor and flower where you create the flower which is at the threshing floor is only one letter difference as well so floor and flower um, so I just found those interesting and that when you cross to go into someone's house you're crossing the threshold and so um you're sort of getting these correlations here that the, and it's for good reason because that that circular uh, motion that the horse makes you know when you have um, basically water mud <laughs> and uh the stems of of uh grain the uh the stems that's how you make mud brick so from that um basically farming activity um you can create houses and the materials for the house um through the the stalks of the of the grain so all that sort of ties together and so you the horse now Um, becomes a representative of time in a sense and the power behind the turning of the universe and so um there is other correlations too um with like the other names for the horse as well with foal and the yearling um and these there's other practices that mm-hmm. sort of went in were involved in sort of ritualistic ideas of the horse. Um as to do with the king or the queen. Um and sometimes the mayor. the mother, yeah. Mare, exactly. Like you got uh um, mare, which is um mother, mare differently, but so, yeah, exactly. Like a, a
3: mayor mayor and a mare. Yeah.
0: And Buddha's um, mother was basically called Mia as well. So mm. she was um sort of to do with desire as well. So there's this linkage between desires, but we'll get into that. What what's um what else is interesting is the Greek word for whores is a logo, so it's a logo. Uh interestingly, this has like a secondary meaning which means irrational or silent hmm. while logos um, as we know is rationality or the word so what we're seeing with like the man on the on the the horse or this idea of uh, logos and a logo so the horse and logos um, is this concept of um, irrational and rationality and silence and the word so we're seeing a polarity at play just in these sort of words as well but um what that sort of indicates when you're in talking about mathematics you're talking about um, when you're talking about irrational numbers what you're talking about is numbers like pi um, the square root of two the square root of three uh, and those sort of things which actually sort of um, They they come out of the vesica, uh, a few of them do. And what's special about them is that they're they're never-ending. So they they can't just be broken down into a singular sort of like um, rational number, like one or two, or um, they can't be just put into a proper ratio um, because the ratio just keeps going and going and going it keeps breaking down further and further because pi is a basically a transcendental number which means it just never ends and so within the reason um pi is special in a way is because of its transcendentalness is that it's uh it's showing eternality it's showing never-endingness whereas um you have rational numbers which have a a distinct finishing to them like two is a rational number and that's it it doesn't need to be broken down any further three is a rational number and so you're having this play between eternality um, and the world of change again sort of show up in this um, idea of a logo and logos and I think there's this is some of the reason why we see, um, say, the man coming out of the horse or the Sagittarius type figure, is that it's representing this um, irrationality, and rationality, um, joined together. So I, I just, um, they're just interesting uh, concepts to to play with.
1: Yeah, yeah, dude, I like that. I mean, I'm kind of getting this. Um, this vision or this vibe that um, irrational number, you know, despite it's kind of like a harsh sounding name, like it's so irrational because it goes on forever and rational. Um, is like a play between the masculine and the feminine yet again at the hermetics because mm. somewhere in the middle of irrational and rational comes like reality, right? Like we're back and forth between our consciousness and our endless transcendental imagination that seemingly can never end and then stuck within the the realm of reason and uh you know i mean this this realm that we walk on on like the surface of this planet and then like you go to bed and then you enter into that irrationality type of dream state
0: that's uh
1: is that kind of a that's kind of what i was picking up what you were putting down
0: it's it's interesting like irrational is not the best descriptive word in a sense that um it means we can't rationalize it we can't understand it in a sense we can't sort of there's no finishing point you're right in it's irrational um in in the sense you're thinking about it too i think that's that's that comes along with the territory of of that polarity that you're speaking about so yeah i think you're quite correct um but in general they say it sort of can't be computed so that's the sort of um irrationality that they're talking about in a sense that it's uh limitless
1: hmm yeah like that's and that to me is like very much consciousness like trying to compute consciousness which is very much so on the tip of uh a lot of things right now with the new chat gpt and uh, oh i can answer anything you need because i am
0: consciousness in a computer no you ain't yeah. you never will be yeah. all right nah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little piece of reality claiming it's the whole reality i don't think so <laughs> um yeah and, and this is the same concept the these all just link together because it's the same concept as time and timelessness um and You know this is really the dichotomy that exists in our world is that um, we have unity in um, diversity and this is why the tree is such an important um, figure in the mythology as well is because the tree is one object right Um, but within the tree it fractalizes out and so it's um, this diversity Within a unified sort of object,
1: mm. mm-hmm. and endless potential because you can just continuously take <clears throat> cuttings from the tree, or you know, obviously, like do the seed. But seed isn't always, you know, it's that's what's really interesting is like how <clears throat> how many similarities we share between plants, you know, we we do, and uh, and cell how cell culture works, like we can basically recreate and grow meat from a from a small cell just like how we can take cuttings off of a of a plant and continue to grow that same plant seemingly forever you know some people have hundreds of year olds old trees because they keep grafting it grafting a 300 year old piece onto a new sapling and yeah so it's like yeah really 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 fascinating another thing that popped up to me when you were talking about um the symbolism between hours and the threshing floor and seasons um, is it's like that we were gifted agriculture by the gods, right? Classically Osiris and Isis are like the gods that gave us wheat and they transmute into themselves through that story. Like they are basically the same, you know, Osiris is Isis. And depending on what time in the, in the storyline that you're on or wherever you're at in your journey of understanding. And so, it's like it's just there is like no not connection. It's all just seemingly connected through that the, like that material weave that you found with the literal time of threshing floor and everything giving us food to all these
0: <clears throat> yeah, to to the processes. and when you then you break it down further from the horse and you get the hooray. Now the Horei are like the three um, feminine sort of uh, aspects that were the three seasons. So yeah, they're gonna those seasonal cycles are gonna give us, in a sense, agriculture are gonna give us those um, different times that the 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 earth is giving different things in a sense. Um, but the they also um, have this correspondence to uh, thermos or uh artemis is a, probably another one um there's many different names or uh, mother holly is another one and they are symbolic it's like the feminine version of mercury if you like that sit on the world pillar and this is your virgo um and this is your libra so thermos is the lawgiver and um it's the same as um the same as what virgo is and libra basically and so they are um really really interesting because again they're time time lords in a sense they're above their time and there's uh like i said laws involved in it and so that central pillar um it gives us the law in a sense uh, this is where we get the post um and and a whole different range of things but you'll see that um the kings and queens will hold the scepter so whenever you see the them holding the scepter or something like that it means that they are the rulers they're the law and um they they break up time um they they start to measure they give us the 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 ruling uh ideas which are born out of the vesica as well these are um ways of measuring things. And so without measurements, without mathematics in that way, you don't have um all these ideas of commerce and 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 then you don't need the laws and all the rest of it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's civilization is born out of um in a sense mathematics um and, and the laws that we have that is is given from those. Does that make sense? Am I being clear with that?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I get it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's where these ideas of you have Lady Justice. Um she comes into play and she is um you know a representative of that divine law. And that's what the the Logos or that horse really is as well. It is divine law. And then you have the Hore that is going along with, that are born out of that law, um, and they are uh, the three fates, you know, the three perfect timings, um, the three seasons and all these sort of things are born out of this divine operation of the heavens, if you like. And so... um, the horse is intrinsically part of this mythology because um it's also related to the horses in the tibetan was known as rta which is sort of like um it was a representative of the fifth element if you like um and so it stood in between the four directions of of the world and it was representing good uh good fortune um and also it was uh, like a understood as cosmic order divine law truth logos and dharma um so this idea of you know like the, the dharma wheel the cosmic wheel um and it brought about the the laws and the laws of life basically and so that's what it's what's it's all sort of pointing to so the horse this is how the horse fits in with um sort of these other ideas of cosmic order divine law law truth logos and um, it's just really fascinating to see where all this um, sort of unfolds too but it was it's just the whole story is a sort of reiterated in different ways through whatever different culture you're looking at but essentially the story is is exactly the same underneath it all with you know it's like putting different clothing on a different sort of uh, god and giving it a different name but essentially it's it's the same god with the same actions so yeah hopefully that's that's making sense to you guys um <clears throat> how this sort of all weaves together so the horai is a derivative of the horse and then the horai are the three gods that sort of sit on the world tree and and actually uh uh, move around like a cyclic seasonal uh idea
1: and and they're beyond gods too right they're the the everlasting they're there before that they're after that's um something that's that's really important about the three fates is because they, they are not only like, you know, played out in the background. They don't get talked about as much as symbolism with uh, the other, you know, famous pantheons and such, but they really are in the background because they, they run the whole show and the, the symbolism of the horse too. It's It's, it's like, there's so many, it's so majestic. Like, first of all, it's just really actually just, it's just, take a vision in our head to think about an actual horse and how amazingly just a stallion the word stallion just is it says it all you know they're true they're just they're mega powerhouses and I was thinking about time we talked about time travel a little bit earlier you're joking because you're you know you're in Australia and we're all on these different parts of the planet and you know we have different time zones and um, how travel, started really with like horses, right? Like, cause we were riding horses and being able to time travel through the power of this majestic beast um, and literally be able to shape how we would win wars and we would win battles and how that became so incredibly important in how we've gotten where we've gotten is because the horse was our main main Mode of transportation, which literally sped up time for us being able to hop on the back of a horse, swing a fucking sword, and you know, like just ride through the like, you can go, yeah, you, you got, you guys get what I'm saying. That, that, that's, so well, it's, it's another it's version. That's,
0: <clears throat> that's why we have, you know, still call our like designated the, the amount of power a car has in horses. It, it, it yes. literally was the, the power behind, um, you know, the civiliz- civilization at the time. But you still have, like, correspondence, not just horse, but whenever you look at any beast of burden, you'll start to see correlations with the same sort of thing, whether it be a donkey or a mule. Um, and a yes. mule, like, talking about the <laughs> um, the Hore, um, well, there are other sort of uh name if you like is muses and you, you change the muse to one of the s's uh to an l and you've got a mule so you have the nine muses and the nine mules but and and they were you know um related to turning Turning the world um, pillar, if you like, or that world mountain, churning the seas—those um, sort of ideas. Uh, the the three Horai were watering the the tree of life, so you see this same sort of uh, symbolism over and over again. But um, there's when we're looking at uh, the the Horai in relation to the um, the goddesses and uh, to the horse. Um, it's it's associated with as i said before virgo and she's related to the frond the frond is part of like uh part of the palm which is like uh, the tree the palm tree which was associated with the world tree and so virgo sort of sits on top of the world tree in a sense the same as mother holly um same as these other pillar sort of gods and where you get some of these, uh, ideas of, um, measurement and, um, time and all the rest of it that come out of it is through, um, the date palm, which is relating to the hand, the palms relating to the hand. Um, mm. the frond was a type of measurement as well. Mm-hmm. The, um, the dates were called finger dates. Um, so the fingers were a type of, not just a, date as in time but the finger was also a unit of measurement um, Roman's
3: been on a lot of finger dates I have yes
1: uh, no if real quick while we're on this I just want to say I literally ran into an old friend the other day and she has been studying uh, palmistry with like a palm reading master but like it's not palm reading like kind of like the really cheesy sense it's This it's like a different type of art. Um, but in in the Renaissance time, that was one of the seven sacred, not sciences, but one of the seven Renaissance magics. It was I aromancy, pyromancy, necromancy, hydromancy, and palmistry was on there. Hmm. And so that there's like deep archetypes that are tied to like the different astrological workings to like the map of your hand and so like there's a lot of like just to back what you're saying there's a lot of esoteric symbolism in the hand itself being being a literal map of not only your life but your future being able to because your hands the lines on your hands actually change over time and so uh and like through different uh moments in your life you might have stress and like different little lines will come out of like what they call the heart line on your palm and um the each finger is a different association to a planet i know that the middle finger is saturn uh you got jupiter um and and so there's all these planetary alignments here uh on the hand and there's also that other famous photo like the esoteric art that's um it's got like the all the like inspector gadget stuff coming out of the fingers but it's like it's like a rosicrucian piece you guys have seen it Uh.
0: Yeah, I probably have.
1: Anyways, um, I love this. I love this because another thing too, I just want to say, no, no, no. Keep going on the hands and the palms, and I want to bring something up on trees after
0: this. Okay, okay. So just to go on the um, mathematics of the hands, you have 14 um, segments on each hand, phalanges they're called, and that gives you 28 with two hands, right? Then you have that builds into the calendar, which is the 364-day calendar, which has 28-day months and there's 13 months, and then you have one rest day that's not Mm -hmm. included. So that's interesting that that's there as well. But, yeah, so all these associations um, relating to the palm leaf, uh, the palm tree, uh, the finger dates, um, is all related to Virgo and it's also related to um the, the scientific name for the um the date palm was phoenix dactophilia, dactylifera or something Whoa. Like that. i can't say the line. so but it's got the phoenix in there so now you've got this idea that um Gnarly. You, you you bring in the, the you bring in the um basically the bird symbolism back into it because there is a direct correspondence between bird symbolism and the horse. Like I tried to explain before, before, probably poorly, but, um, it was this, there is a movement between equus and Eagle, right? And legal sort of sits in the middle of that. So there's, there's the legal ideas coming again, but, um, the eagle is related to Zeus, and then you have um the falcon god, which is another predatory bird really, is Horus, mm-hmm. and like I said, it was Horus and Horse, and like just not exactly the same thing, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, so now there is a, a direct correlation, and this this is just another huge rabbit hole between um the symbolism of um the eagle um any bird symbolism and like i said the bird uh, represents the mind um, because it's its wings it's flying overhead and um, it is also associated with the um with the world tree as in um, a lot of these birds are said to you Mm -hmm. know rest sit on the top of the world tree and those sort of things um so there is
1: amazing it would be to be a keen eagle like seriously like just (laughs) oh no worries i'm just gonna fly to this top this mountain hold up oh yeah let me perch on this uh huge tree on top of this mountain oh i'm just gonna go fly and catch me a fucking salmon no worries i'm gonna pay no bills i'm just a fucking eagle life is great
0: yeah pretty much (laughs) you can see for their eyesight is supposed to be amazing isn't it so yes Yes,
1: sorry, it had to be silly for a second. Um,
0: it, thats you know, good. It's heavy it, stuff, isn't it? This is heavy stuff. Yeah,
1: you know, and it's also we live in this world with these beautiful, majestic animals that have endless amounts of like conscious imagination for us to like grasp onto. Like the fact that our ancestors revered all of them so much is supremely important. It's like you know, digging up these ancient mysteries is. yeah there
0: is sort of like that they're they're really you know paying attention to the quality of these animals and um you know and and finding something sacred to them and i think that's there should be more of that for sure um we should be looking at animals in a, you know uh not just there's another sort of animal but rather how they're connected to the whole you know in a sense and what they symbolize in um you know in the created world
1: Dan Dan keeps like like going in and out of supernova phase. <laughs> Do you see that? I know. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> For everyone that's not on the video of this, it's like the screen keeps going like hot yellow. It looks like he's literally like about a fucking <laughs> with a blow pink up. face. Yeah, the pink face like he's like uh, gonna explode into a nuclear situation. How you feeling over there, dude? You getting hot?
3: I'm fine, dude. It's my fucking internet over here <laughs> shitty. I took a screenshot earlier too so we could
1: save it for history. <laughs> um, but please continue sir I, all, all, all beautifulness <laughs> aside uh, yes, let let us uh, revere the stoicness of the world that we live in. I mean like that's well we,
0: let's we let's keep do. going with the with the eagle for a bit. and um, you know, when you translate yeah. it into Greek, you actually get um, sort of secondary meanings that come out of the Eagle which is is pretty interesting but it's it has a relationship to um zeal ardor gusto zest ardency and those sort of things and ardor can be understood as the heat of passion or desire Mm. and when i come across this i'm like what why, why is an eagle related to the passions of desire Mm. And it's like you you do get that with the hooray and, and the muses. There's like this idea of um, to be inspired is is to like, you know, you have these, um, there's something, there has to be a desire to.
1: Women inspire to me. I'm not going to lie. When I have a sweet babe around, I'm like, I'm making like great music. Life's great. I'm singing and dancing. I feel that, yes. man. It, absolutely. Yeah. Man
0: yeah yeah so there is a there is a connection between the muses um that feminine energy like you say and and this idea of desire and whether it's just coming from us us boys who knows but uh what
3: what did you say that word was adore
0: adore yeah a-r-d-o-r oh adore
1: Adore. j'adore you i j'adore j'adore my Uh belle
0: Yeah, so um, I just found that the fascinating little connection there. And what's interesting is, like, um, the Buddha, her her mother was the mayor, um, and he basically sort of rejected her in a sense because she was the um, idea of desire in a sense. So because Buddha was um, the chainless changeless one he was not um, attached to anything right he became unattached to the world Uh, he was no longer um at the the whims of desire in a sense and so he sort of rejected his own mother which was the mayor so there's those interesting little correlations as well that desire um is is not really part of the unchanging in a sense um it's also there's the desire that's that's born out of the the beginning of the world as well um because the masculine and feminine come together just like your 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 parents if you like um to create you their desire had to you know it was it was uh brought about by desire if you like um, and so there is this sort of idea that desire is is somewhat suffering, or it binds you to the wheel of karma, in a sense that your desires are um, can be problematic, and binds you to the world, because whenever you want something, um, or desire something, then Uh, that sort of it sort of sets up a pain of where you are in your present moment to where you want to be and so that anxiety occurs because of where you are in the present moment and the future you that should have that thing that you want so there is a negative connotation to the desire but there's also the understanding that higher desires um were to bring about um the finer arts and higher knowledge. So the desire for, say the desire to know God better or the creator better or the creation, if you like, um, is, is part of this higher echelon of um, desire. Now, I
3: have a question. It Have you noticed any uh, connection between, between like equestrian or the eagle with serpent or a snake
0: um there is sort of like you, you do see um the especially with the eagle holding the serpent in its talons right that's like a, like an emblem yeah. that it's um got power over a serpent in a sense um mm-hmm. But whenever you're dealing with mercurial characters, you, the serpent nearly always turns up, and it's like it's it's one of those things that I keep trying to define, but it's really enigmatic. Eg- you know what I mean? It just it, it slips my grasp, <laughs> It's slithery, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> uh,
3: uh, soap <laughs> slithers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you, do you notice any? Uh, is there any connections to dogs?
0: uh no i haven't come across dogs yet Uh, um no i haven't Uh, because
3: what what the symbolism that i'm like looking at here is like uh the the tribe of dan has like a a standard of a horse an eagle and a serpent nice and so Uh, yeah there you go so it's interesting that there's a connection between the eagle and uh and the horse so yeah. that's why I was asking about the serpent. And then I was asking about the dog, too, because mm, the werewolf symbolism kind of goes back to Dan. And then also, uh, you know, Dog Star Sirius, uh, mm-hmm. these other types of things, these other motifs, uh, yeah. always pop up with, like, Tribe of Dan stuff that I always find. And I think that, mm, in some way, they might have been the tribe that started... Uh, what's it called yeah. uh animal husbandry and uh, breeding animals and one of them being the horse the dog uh maybe yeah. even cats I don't know about that one but uh you know so horses and dogs for sure but yeah. they also like did that with like bulls and uh other like uh farm type animals too so, so- I was just curious if the, if any of that stuff ever pops up when you're studying, like, equestrian. Uh, because the equal thing is also pretty interesting, the equality aspect uh, of the horse. And then Odin rides on which yes, is the, the eight-legged horse. And symbolically, yeah. that's almost like the turning of the eight-spoked wheel. Yeah. Uh, so the, the horse wheel. pulling. Yep. And
1: it's on yeah, a tree too.
3: The wheel. The symbolism, of, like
1: yeah, the whole map, so. is
3: a tree.
0: Um. Well. Yeah. Y- Yggersil, I'm going to say this wrong. Uh, Yggdrasil Yggdrasil. is um yeah. Odin's horse. It, it actually means Odin's horse. Um. So drassil means horse, and Ygg, yggdriggur is one of Odin's many names. Wait, drassil means horse in which in which language in norse well i assume so
1: yeah right yeah
0: that
1: that makes sense yeah (laughs) but that's just no it's kind of mind-blowing because uh because so
0: so you got got the horse and the man is the one and the same as the world tree yeah so yeah, go. Sorry.
1: Well, I was going to say like, you know, Brazil or high Brazil and Brazil or Basilicus, like there's like a, almost like a serpentine type of energy with that as well to kind of touch what I just want to pitch in when, because the other day I was listening to my favorite book that I have on Audible right now, the uh, mysteries of the dark moon by Dematra George, an amazing astrologist uh, and obviously author. She's so fucking good. I love it. Anyways. Um, and there are the, think the dog God connection was correlated with the feminine and the, uh, the matriarchal um, pre-church society. There was like, that's when the dog was actually kind of like there would always be dog guards around um, the, the goddess of fertility or, you know, um, <clears throat> the God of that region. And, and, uh, and she would like, you know, bless her people. They would bring her, uh, shafts of wheat and you know she then they would like sleep with one of the men and they would get pregnant and have a kid so it'd be like hey we're going to bless you with m- not only more crops but more children and then there was like a dog association there i have to brush up more on it but um i i what i was taking away instead of like dog being like a masculine thing was like i was like it's more feminine related or or related to a close connection to the matriarchal uh, societies in the, in the deities of, um, and, of real deep antiquity, you know, pre-church patriarchal pop pop stuff and all sun worship and things. Um, and another thing too, the, there's a common correlation with, um, the transformation or the transformative mind and material, kind of what we're talking about earlier. Like, you know, you have the eagle with the wings and the serpent being like, more material based, and the sign Scorpio is that like big uh, archetype where that that plays through. Because
0: well, yeah, you're talking about um, sort of Phaethon uh, is could be thought of as the old eagle with the with the serpent in its uh, towns as well, because that was yeah, part of yeah. the tetramorph, right? Where it wasn't originally a scorpion; it was an eagle. But I did just um, find something here that I, I did write, but I oh, obviously skipped over it. But the, um, the horse is also called a mount, short for mountain. Many gods are depicted sitting atop the world mountain. Lord Vishnu sat upon Mount Meru, the central axis used as and used as a churning stick in which the gods and demons used a serpent as a rope to churn the heavens the rope serpent uh analogous to mind so when you're looking at um nous, nous means mind and then you have um another one that's very close similar to that word is noose and you'll actually see some older um, vedic gods and hindu gods and they'll be holding a noose in their hand like um varuna is one of them that comes to mind um so whenever you see that you're it's like a a, a depiction of mind so the the noose of mind and i think serpent does play a role in that idea that it's related to a a piece of rope um in a sense that it's related to mind as well and this associates with the churning of heaven and again it's that um you have that central axis and that move the rope that holds the horse Mm, mm -hmm. you know is around yeah yeah, so it's controlling the power of the horse so there's those sort of things that come into play oh
1: pegasus so if like wow yeah yeah i'm i I shouldn't talk because i'm still processing everything you just fucking said sorry
0: yeah and pegasus is interesting you bring up them like um that one um it has heaps of stuff encoded into it you know it's um what about the name? Although, I'm not sure about the name. Tell the truth. Um, there there is this idea where, like, its hooves uh, hit the ground, it creates a spring of water. Whoa. Um Yeah. So it's like the other idea is like because you have mount, and then you and you have mountain, and then you have fountain. So they're all very similar sort of ideas. We're mounting um, a horse. Going, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, they're just, you got sort of take into um, consideration that they're playing with, they're like poetry and playing with words and finding correlations that way. And so when you find um, like words, you, you sort of get these associations and some of the stories start to make a little bit more sense um, because of that.
1: Yes, yeah, and then there's been... <clears throat> some cross correlations of like you know uh the, the the fountain of youth being the mountain of youth and um but if like a fountain is a mountain is a step of a a hoof step from a a, a, a Schlepneric type of God horse merkabah where it's like you know a pond being a portal <clears throat> so this one thing I wanted to say uh earlier on the on the trees because I I, I we're we're in the celtic month right now on rising from the ashes right so we've been talking a lot about druids and one of the things of the mystic druids is that they held a reverence to every species of tree or at least a lot of trees had a very specific archetype and like magic tied behind it and it got me thinking earlier when we were talking about um you know the central pole or the you know pillar or, or a post Right, and then I was thinking about druids and like special trees, them, <clears throat> and we talked about time, about how animals can help us move across like this reality, but trees are almost like like a telephone pole, in a sense, where of, of etheric energy or conscious earth energy or conscious mind material that we can almost connect with the tree and then connect with a very specific timeline so like kind of like i got a visualization of the lorax um book by dr seuss where it's like this like little bearded wizard lives within the tree um and i was thinking i was like oh well a con you know like a consciousness portal if you were to be able to really truly ground down with the most earth energy possible it'd be just to really truly connect with the tree and be able to pull out a certain type of information that's t- that that tree would have information on communication with the ethereal world, and I think that's something that the druids really were doing, um, <clears throat> and that's just intuition coming up from this. But I'm finding that there may be a cross correlation with like some of the, you know, the horse things and the and the um, and the divinatory practices happening in the esoteric echelons here.
0: Yeah, I don't know about um. I, I I would assume that if you're going to look at the trees, and especially these uh, ones that have um uh, evergreens, like the one that Santa carries, you know, when yeah. he when he comes at Christmas time. And before it was Santa, I think it was one of these Hori, which was Mother Holly. So it's worth looking into her. Oh. Oh snap. yeah, so she was like an original Santa, if you like, and that's why I was sort of making the relationship between Mother Holly, um, Virgo, the Holly, yeah, the Holly, and, yeah. The Holly and, wreath
3: and mistletoe,
0: yeah, and she'd come and look through the cracks in in your in your walls and things like that, and she was anal- uh, sort of like analogous mm. to the cold weather getting through the cracks in your walls, um, and she would mm. do bring um. She she had a law aspect to her as well where she would actually, um, you know, make sure that these people were, you know, knitting at the right time or something like that because if they weren't, th- then she was going to get them and take them away. And it was basically analogous to, like, if you don't, you know, um, do your sewing and create some nice warm bedding and things like that, you're going to die of the cold. Um, you know, you're going to get caught that way. But... Um, well-
3: Yeah, like what you were talking about earlier with the rational and irrational. uh, The holly and the mistletoe, the mistletoe is like the thing that does not die in the wintertime. It's the evergreen. Mm. And then the holly is the thing that slips through the cracks and you can still get cold from it. You know, so uh, Uh, that's kind of like an interesting um, uh, push and pull type of thing right there. Uh, I did look up Pegasus. And um the Pega Pega or Pegasi uh it means fountain or spring or a well fed by a spring, Mm -hmm. especially in reference to the springs of an ocean, uh near which Medusa was said to have been killed by Perseus. Pegasus spring from her blood, (laughs) uh but and then it says this might be just be folk etymology, but then the Zeus part it says, uh, suggests non Greek origin, but it says, uh, the Zeus part probably represents a weather god, god like Zeus and, uh, is likely to represent an avatar of the storm god of lightning. So you have that lightning aspect connected with the horse, and then that's how you get the Pegasus. So that connects yeah. into like everything that you're saying
0: yeah so whenever you see, like I said, um whenever you see those masculine gods, like the storm gods, um, and there's literally hundreds of them at this stage. but they're all to do with air, basically the sky itself. And so that's why they're so um they all have those same sort of aspects of um, the upper upper portion where the mother is all the lower portion um which is it just it really super interesting
1: <clears throat> the uh the uh, pil- the pillars of hercules I was reading this um book that's blowing my mind by Tracy Twyman um rest in peace and um made some du- made some connections between like the pillars of Hercul- hercules and how like they're connected to like you know the the Joachim and Boaz pillars as well or the the mason pillars yeah, um, and then thinking about Pegasus, wasn't Pegasus associated with Hercules as well? It was like a gift to Hercules as he was a baby, too.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, there's one of those gods. I'm not sure, I'm not sure if it was Her- Hercules or not, but he was given to someone. Tamed it and then tried to get to a Mount Olympus, but it threw him off. He, he thought it was a man that tried to get to Mount Olympus, and he was sort of got arrogant because he jumped on the. <laughs> jumped yeah, on the wrong the, horse yeah and then um, basically it says in some of the the uh, mythologies that Zeus threw down a um, gadfly and stung Pegasus but it's sort of a misinterpretation it was actually um, Zeus spurred um, Pegasus and it threw the rider off and then Pegasus flew up to to Mount Olympus so, and Mount Olympus is, Mount Meru is the... the and it, it's also said that um, Pegasus uh, carries Zeus's lightning bolts. So there's another mm. sort of reference to um, the horse being time and seasonality and hours and all those sort of things as well. And part of that sort of turning of the skies, the power behind it.
1: Oh, that, okay. So <clears throat> the maypole right, the maypole dance that happens on May Day. There's mm. got to be a connection between May and Mayor, the mother horse, mother yeah, time, yeah. and this maypole dance, maypole connection. What? what I, can't, I can't remember what culture does the, what started the maypole. Was it Germanic? Do you guys know?
0: Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but that's the world pole, pole, the world tree. They're dancing around, and they're sort of acting out like the muses, right? Um, The feminine horse is known as the mare, which letter switching again, we can see the many connections, the um, mare, M-E-R-E, mare, mara, and also kama, kama. So mare to mara, which is another form of mary. Um, Mary is Jesus' mother, part of the Trinity. Mare, there's ma and mer, which is water sea maritime um there's the mo- movement from mara to kama which produces the name of buddha's mother um kama is said to be the enemy of buddha the reason is because the buddha has isn't an enlightened being i sort of said this before but uh is free of the karmic wheel um it is kama like eros that is is seen as the embodiment of desire um, kama in Sanskrit means desire, wishing, and longing in Hindu, Buddhism, Jain, and Sikh literature. Kama often connotes sensual pleasure, sexual desire, and longing. So we have this, um, basically, this movement between Maya to kama, um, which is eros. there's seen as the embodiment of desire, right? and so eros or arrows is the the hindu deity's camera um, and he's shown um, he's got arrows that trigger desire so essentially um, he's like eros and a little bit of quick movement of the word eros um, and you'll get heroes so it's eros is basically um the same same word without the h in front of it and then you get heroes and heroes is an anagram for horse so you can see how these all sort of just tie together using these these similar words um and so eros another name for eros is cupid and it's a god of love and desire and it's actually another name for jupiter um which you know is jove which is love um as well so you can see that there there is this it it comes back to like mario garza says it's all poles and holes right it's it's the <laughs> masculine and feminine coming together to to produce desire and in in some of these um Rig Vettas, um create, the creation of the the universe is um by desire by great heat as well or friction so it's it's like the sexual act creating heat mm-hmm. friction and mm-hmm. um and the desire so yeah it's it's just you can see how it starts to all tie into using the horse as like a, a foundation for um myth understanding mythology and it becomes a lot lot clearer i think
1: one thing i love about the poles and holes is it helped me uh or i got a visualization i always i always go to one zero one zero one zero one zero it's the ultimate algorithm within the technology that we've created or maybe we've just channeled um you know I, it's like did we, have we really created the internet or did we just create like a, a channeling for the specific energy that's always existed this inevitable internet that we have and like ones and zeros are poles and holes are the way that all the coding works. It's just, it's just, you know, different forms of that.
0: And, and it's communication. Yeah, exactly. All, yes. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's say 10, cause it's say 10, 10 things, but it's, it's, it's say the 10 whole things. The whole. Oh shit. Yeah. Whoa. Cause it's, it's, it's the one and the zero. That's the 10. It's the whole number line, zero to nine. So it's it's ten things, it's ten fingers on your on you, because and what's um, what are they? They're, they're the gods of time. Again, it's whenever you see the Chronos um, type ideas and, and their relationships. Yeah, you, oh, you're it's just a the, m-
1: matter of
0: time. Yeah, it's just all it's all time-based gods because uh, they're the lords of time. They're the eternals. They sit on top of Mount Meru. They don't move. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, we're in the world of change, they're in the world of uh, eternalities. And and really, um, th- their language is mathematics because one plus one will always be two. Doesn't matter how long you go, it's <laughs> always going to be the same. Those relationships in mathematics, they're unchangeable. And they, you know, so that's that's the that's the universal language.
1: Do you think that's a human construct that we found ourselves in to like try to do you think like the the master workers of the higher echelons of what whoever's running the game are trying to contort the non-contortable? Or do you think they're they're they are working within the realms just finding new ways to break
0: through it? Uh I don't think that um there's that many people running the show as such i think (laughs) it's just a fucking mess up the top but they may know some things and know how to manipulate people but in general i think it's like people have forgotten a lot of knowledge and forgotten how to um approach Mm -hmm. the world that we're in and if they got back some of their power within themselves all of it would disappear like I always bring up like the the notion of um, like central banks and things like that. It's like they're printing the money out of thin air. It's like if everyone just realized that they're printing money out of nothing, then would, and they thought, well, we can't have that. That's bullshit. It would be stopped the next day. But generally, it's just the level of consciousness of the general population that keeps us in a. A movement as such, like we're in and you know if there were powers that be they may have back in the day really uh, messed up things or took in advantages of situations where others weren't were ignorant of them and so um you know this is why i talk about some of this information and try and bring light to it as best i can is so that people start to um realize that these there is actually a language here um that mathematics is important as well that um studying in this stuff can help you in a lot of different ways um understanding polarity is really important to understanding yourself um and understanding your own power is really important so that's that's why i do this stuff i don't really you know i'm not like getting paid for it that's for sure (laughs)
1: yeah don't we know it man uh (laughs) no but it's yeah it's beautiful well better yet it's almost like that that talking about um rational numbers and irrational numbers right that there's that if you go completely into the irrational somehow if you're able to crack that code um or if you're able to like put a whole new equation together that's what a lot of these old occultists like john d and edward kelly like the famous stories of these guys, um, you know, using like black obsidian mirrors to try to go, you know, uh, invoke what they called angels or, you know, maybe to potentially create a portal opening. I think that has kind of always been some sort of interesting uh occulted um, uh, like goal is to, to break oh, and yeah, make right. a physical portal.
0: Yeah. Uh look, I, this may be, so there's the externalization was what was once um, probably known as an internal thing you're supposed to do within yourself, you know. <laughs> um, and this is what I see with, like, a lot of, like, the symbolisms, like, you know, why are they sacrificing these goats, for instance, or, you know, some lamb is like, well, no, you probably read the text wrong. It wasn't actually about meaning to go and kill... An, a, a, a sort of an animal it's it's more that you're supposed to kill the um the egotistical side or the or the uh desire side in you know these unhealthy desires within yourself you know so it's basically uh, i i just think it's yeah. ignorant people taking um esoteric texts and and then literalizing them and not understanding their their actual meaning and and it's the same with this, the gateless gate, or that opening the portal, because the the gate or the portal or the stairway to heaven is that third pillar, is that uh, central pillar of the world axis. So finding your relationship with it, with that world axis within yourself is the one of the goals to freeing yourself from the world of change the world of desires and being stuck in a karmic loop so that that's the real point of it the point was to sit quietly act as as if you were the the world pillar sit under the bodhi tree if you like and um, become the world pillar yourself and be still (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) yes 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 uh i've actually always said um, then I would love to come back as a coconut tree if I could just, but now I'm thinking, damn, I, do I want to be... no, see, <clears throat> I do. Would you rather be, would you rather come back, would you rather come back as a long lasting, um, tree? Would you rather come back as like a really, would you rather come back Wolverine? as an eagle? Would you rather come back as like a tree or like a majestic huge animal with power like an eagle or like a bear or a lion
0: oh, i don't know that's a there's two really different things isn't it
1: yeah yeah so let's like... uh, <laughs> it's, our, it's our personality test for you to see who you really are
0: <laughs> i don't know uh, i think uh, i think the eagle i think a tree probably...
3: a tree symbolizes like longevity strong strength growth um like like the idea of towering over everything is kind of powerful too. Uh, you know, you have uh, little animals that crawl up you and everything, and <laughs> other animals that use you for for shelter and shade. So you're kind of like giving, and you're also giving out oxygen. So you're kind of giving and
0: uh, powerful. I, I off, like yeah. the idea of a. I like
3: the idea of a tree over an animal personally. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I know I was torn. I was like, but flying around being an eagle would be Yeah, flying sands are right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's tough. Yeah. Good thing good thing we maybe potentially have infinite lives and get to experience all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Hopefully. <laughs> oh God. Um, <laughs> so well let's see. What uh what else are we uh chalking up here with um some of this new study?
0: Uh you got any uh any okay, final, so final notes for us, everyone here. Oh yeah, I've got a few things. Yes. So I'll, I'll probably go into one that's really. Um, this one is near and dear to my heart because it's. I keep on talking about the the three horai or the three means or the three fates, and mm-hmm. it's because there's a, a really something really significant connected to them, Um and the horai are connected to a mathematical type. Uh, The arithmetic. um, (laughs) There are three types of means there's the arithmetic, the harmonic, and the geometric means. And uh, these are, in a sense, you can think of them as the older uh, education system. One to do with um, arithmetic, which is just number. Then you have the harmonic, which is to do with music. And then you have the geometric which is related to geometry. And so the three means or the three hori are actually related to, uh, in a sense, the quadrivium because there's obviously there's one missing, but if you join all those three hori up, you actually get um, your architecture or, um, you know, constellational studies and those sort of things join into it now these three means are actually uh, related to proportion and it is this proportion that is um, known as harmonia and so apollo is where is the god that the three means dance around in some circumstances so apollo is a pole which is that central pillar and so the three seasons dance around the central pillar. And so Apollo is the god of music, right? And so this is where you get the ideas of the celestial um, harmonies or whatever, you know, those mm. sort of ideas start to play and come into place. And so, did he have
1: his two eagles uh, fly around the world too to find uh, Mount Meru or uh, that central mountain?
0: that's Oracle yeah, that,
1: oracle adelphi
3: the, the, oh, that's oh was it that was oh there, zeus there's a well. there's a
1: greek there's a greek oh is it zeus oh is it yeah there's yeah, a yeah, greek zeus. story so, odin
3: that's ravens i guess but
1: how he thinking. found like the oracle Delphi, or like where the oracle Delphi was this later was wherever the two eagles were like spread out from the, the to find the middle of the earth or whatever that central point
0: yeah so apollo hermes right, I thought it was and apollo yeah, but Apollo, Hermes, and Zeus are pretty much all the same God. This is what I mean. Like whenever you see these masculine types and um if they're not sort of overtly hermaphroditic, then you're looking at the the upper portion of the sky and they're usually to do with uh, the weather um in a sense. Mm-hmm. so but there's within Apollo, Hermes and um Zeus, the Greek gematria of those, um, they all have a relationship to each other that can show you specific geometry. So the names are actually derivatives of certain numbers that are to do with proportion. Um, so that's why that they're they're sort of linked to each other and they have these uh, interactions with each other. And it's really it's like a way of um, describing geometry in a uh, word form if you like and codifying it so just as jesus in greek um, gematria has a value of triple eight in music um triple six is the string ratio of a perfect fifth while the triple eight is the string ratio of a whole tone so in this sense jesus the geometrial value is actually um producing the scale of music and so this is where you get into some uh, a little bit sort of deeper material because these um these gods so-called gods are actually um, you know produced our uh, ratios and mathematical um, numbers that are born out of the vesica pisces so this one of the the main ones that comes out of it is is called the square root of two and again that is like pi um in an in a sense that it is a transcendental number um and it is called like represents the axis of harmonic symmetry and the reason is is it goes you have this um, from one to two and the proportion from one to two, uh, this this connecting feature between the number one and two is the square root of two. And so this is the idea of going from a unity, one, to a duality, two. And so that middle ground that connects the unity and duality, that communication between the two is the square root of two in geometrical terms. And so this also has a relationship to music in a sense. And so the other ways to do this is also finding the um, special relationships um, in the piano and things like that or the musical scale. And so um, to find that midpoint between the octaves, which would be a C to a C, uh, the midpoint or the uh, still point or the world, the axis point in music is um, called the tritone and it is an F sharp. So between two C's, and you can think of C as in uh, two different ways, not just musical way, but as in C, uh, as in the oceans. You have the tritone, and it's interesting that tritone is can be thought about as Triton, so the god of one of the gods of the sea, uh, who who is a merman, so he's directly linked to coming out of the vesica, um, and so it's a man and a fish joined. So he's it's a man coming out of the vesica Pisces or the fish, um, so. This is where you get into how music is encoded into Greek mythology, because whenever you see watery types of depictions, what you're actually starting to see is that um, that they they're talking about music. <laughs> in in a nice way like whenever they show uh watery creatures they're talking about music and whenever you see the fish's scales well you're talking about musical scales and those sort of things so there's like a a poetic poetic nature to how they're um describing music and art form does that make sense
3: yeah uh You could see uh enki is usually represented as uh the, the guy with the flowing waters in the fish headdress and yep. um also as the god neptune with the trident uh so and he's kind of the first so he came out of the primordial waters yeah yeah uh so yeah
0: and it so it, born out of the prime. whenever you hear water as well obviously you going back to matter so born out of the primordial material and he's like the first thought Mm -hmm. yeah
1: some of the Mm -hmm. earlier earliest um like evolution of musical uh uh, technology i guess we'll say out of ancient greece was also incorporating water into the organs like the water organ um Mm -hmm. and the different like instruments that included water which is really kind of fascinating and there's even a uh, talk that some of these uh ancient instruments were also used to like purify or clean the water um to have like special spiritual holy waters um in the church to like because you know we know that the they they had their and
0: stuff yeah, yeah, yeah they had yeah,
1: their yeah. plumbing down right so if the plumbing was working on like the vibrational tones of the city because they were just deep into mathematics and they're blessing their water um, through the sound um, because that was just the ancient, the ancient way of doing things. And also they were very big into bathing and big, huge baths and bath culture was very big and wow. our antiquated past, which is something I really hope that uh, becomes free for everybody. And we just like start to move into a society where it's just like, Steam rooms and fucking medicinal baths are just everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> that would yeah, be so I'm great. For,
0: I'm, I'm all for that for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, right. That's literally yeah. utopia in my eyes. Um, but also the tritone—that's oh, really fascinating, man. Like the in um the Vedic uh music, you know, and 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 uh, different Indian music, like they're all about the polytone or uh, not the polytone uh, microtones. The microtones mm. the notes in between tones so like what you would have yeah, in the, yeah, in yeah, the west right. yeah the western uh musical scale you have like a b c d f g and then there they have like all these notes in between notes and that music is way more droney it's way more meditative psychedelic it like gets you into like a different trance because they're playing mm. those like notes in between notes
0: yeah, yeah, that's that's their whole thing is really interesting, and even how they learn it too, uh, by sort of speaking the 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 notes in a sense, um, and same with the drumming. Some of the drumming that they do, they like actually say the the different notes of the, their drumming, and they learn it by speech, which is really interesting. Oh, cool. It's a good way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the, there's. That they're doing. What I'm sort of pointing at with the, all of this is that the the names of these gods are actually constructed to bring about, um, to show that there is music involved in their construction. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like part of it. Um, so, yeah, that that was pretty much the last of my little uh, talk here. Went through most of my notes. I probably never thought about heaps. that before.
3: But uh, if you think about a guitar, it's E-A-D-G-B-E, ends with E and starts with E. And if you think of, like, um, the Sumerian, it starts with uh, Enki, ends with Enlil.
0: Uh-huh. And,
3: but in and the end, uh, in, Enlil is higher than Enki. And so he would be at the bottom, and Enlil would be at the top, like, the e, Big E and Little E.
0: And, I, I, and I thought, like, that's when you got the, 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 the C to C, like, in an octave, like, you would have um, C is three in, in like, normal Gematria, and then the other yeah. ones, so two threes. So you got 33 um, just to do the whole octave. So that's another mm-hmm. interesting encode in there. But, um, yeah, the, the F-sharp is is the tritone, and the tritone is like the most discordant tone that you can have. Um, it's the one that sort of, in a sense, they're totally opposite to each other. Um, they, they used to call it like the... There was something that went along for ages that said the church wouldn't play the tritone because it was the devil's chord or something like that. But that wasn't actually mm. true. They used t- tritone.
2: Yeah,
0: but yeah. So and tritone is you can break the word up is tri t one. So it's it's telling you about the the, the Trinity, the the three in one. Mm. And, uh, so. Yeah, and a T is tau, which is two pi, which is like a, another version of the the vesica. So it's three and one in the vesica, just in that one word. So it's it's really, really interesting. Wow.
1: Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to chew on here. Um, I'm, uh, I'm curious where, you, where what happens next with. Uh... With this work, man, curious to see where 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 it leads you. Um, do you have any uh, other projects you're working on that you want to share with these wonderful, wonderful humans?
0: Yeah, um, soon I'm going to release a um, an app that um, it, it the basic principle is that it's a 364 day calendar, and it allows you to convert back and forth between um, the the normal c- calendar that we use now which is the Gregorian calendar and it will transfer over into the 364 day calendar. So I'm really excited to uh, have that sort of nearly complete and it's going have a it's nice.
1: um, gonna be sweet
0: cool, <laughs> it's gonna, it's going to have a nice clock face on it that actually has um, three different hands that will point to where you are in the year. Uh, where you are in the month, and then what, you know where you are in the day, so it's going to have a normal, um, normal clock in there as well. So, and the three hundred sixty-four day calendar is uh, is really really simple. It's it's a lot easier to to get your head around because each month is uh, of the same amount of days. So it's four weeks, four, seven, four times seven. Um, and that gives you a 28-day month. So we can
1: do all of our rituals on the real time that it's supposed to happen and not be
3: just slightly (laughs) off-skew. There's 13 months.
0: There's 13 months Uh, in this calendar. And um, this is my first... uh, Once this one's released and hopefully it goes well, um, there will be a price attached so I can uh, use that money to put back into the app and actually... Um, make it better and what will eventually it will include a um, three numerous types of 360 day calendars Um, but the reason I chose the three uh, 364 day calendar is because it's still in alignment with the seven day week but the 360 day calendars have uh, different lengths of weeks but um yeah, so that's that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm really excited and um hopefully you guys can share that app when um, when it's released. And um I'm also in the process of writing a, a book and trying to put all this information together, but uh it may take me much longer than I initially thought. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right, good luck, man. Uh the app sounds amazing. Yes, yeah, stoked on that, dude. It's always fun to have physical something to show people be like hey look like check this out you know let this concept yeah this is that, how it works you know yeah so that's gonna be cool man i'm fucking stoked you're doing that
3: are you keeping the days of the month uh the same name are you changing the names are you changing the days names or all is that um, still gonna stay the I- same it's just uh based on like more of a moon cycle
0: um so what i did not to confuse people is basically had at 1 to 13 and it starts at um on the april the 1st and there's a oh. few reason why i did that to start it there um and it's and some of it's to do with um how it aligns up with the constellations so people will still be in somewhat of alignment with aries when they think it's uh you know at that time do you know what i mean like aries taurus and those sort of mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. if i had shifted it in a in a different way it would have um divided more than one um constellation into two but at this when i put the um 13 months this way it basically only divided scorpio into two sections so the the top of scorpio with his claws and then the bottom of uh, scorpio's tail so that's easy enough for people to a- wrap their April heads around. April makes sense though, right?
1: A- April makes sense to have a new year beginning in the spring as opposed to in the dead of winter. Mm-hmm. So yeah, spring. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It seems yeah. It seems to you know. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. April sounds like the main pole. April yeah. and May. Yeah. April, May.
0: So the other thing that when that's you when morning. I bring the Oh the, the maple um, tree. Sorry when i when i bring in the 360 day calendar it'll make a lot more sense um because i will start that it will have either any start that you want in regards to the equinoxes or solstices so you can start the year on um the spring equinox but there'll be basically 10 or 11 days gap between the 364 day calendar and the 360 day calendar and interestingly enough if you start the year at, on the 360 day calendar and then end it on the spring equinox you've created a lunar calendar so it's just one of those things as just how it worked out and there is some sort of uh correlation to the first of april as in april fool's day and that used to mm-hmm. be sort of that used to um be the start of the year for some some people before they changed it and then they called everyone who still held to the old ways the april fools (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah
3: that's hilarious yeah i think um i think that's because uh way back when they used to actually uh when they would um have children or breed uh april and may was the season when they would spring is when children would be born and so they would only uh procreate during um the summer months and then so that way all the children would be born in april and so if you start the year in april then that's when everything spring because they tried yeah, yeah. to procreate within uh like nature how same way nature does it so they kept it like that uh, are you gonna add um the zodiac to to the clock also and and like the um equinoxes is that going to be associated with the clock too
0: yeah yeah it will be um especially with the 360 day calendar um but you'll be able to see it because in the actual clock itself it will have degrees and so you could follow the the um just by looking at one of the hands in in one of the main page on the main first page with the clock on it you'll be able to see where you are in relation to degrees and so this will line up with the 360 days will be 360 degrees but um obviously the five days are still there you can't get rid of can't change the length of the year they're just not included in the calendar just like the one day of the (laughs) 364 days so
3: just add them for feast days right
0: yeah 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 just (laughs) That's that's
3: when you they're rest
1: days, so you just sorry I can't <laughs> <the> work. <party laughs> days. yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. days. What about um? So you know, uh, David, uh, David Weiss has a has an app that um yeah. I I actually had for a bit, and uh, I'm just hoping that that yours just take in mind just a little uh feedback from his. That I was so couldn't really know what the fuck was going on. Um, I I couldn't uh really. Tell what was happening on the clock app, so um, yeah, okay.
0: Is well, I'll I'll give you a, a sneak preg review and then you can let me know. How about okay,
1: that? I'll do a little beta test. You know, your boy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got some good discernment, uh, some constructive criticism. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but dude, that's amazing. I'm super looking forward to that project. Um, and the book, man, definitely. I always love new books. What What's a book that you can, um, before we close, I was a book you could would recommend to everybody, just be like, hey,
0: okay
1: yep. enlighten, enlighten yourself, read this book, people, humans.
0: There's, there's only one I recommend, and um, it's called Jesus Christ, Son of God, and it's by David uh Fiddler. Uh so it's ancient cosmology and early Christian symbolism. So he relates everything to the sun, but I relate everything to the world axis, and so when you read the book, um, pay attention that everything he's pointing out is really to do with the world axis and not the sun. But the information he have has in here in regards to gematria, uh, mathematics is just brilliant. It is phenomenal. So, um, has he written any other books that you know of? Uh, I think he done one on Pythagoras. Uh, he wrote something on Pythagoras and something else. Oh, one other one, but I'm nice. not sure exactly what they were. But, um, yep, that's the one I recommend.
1: Nice. Cool. Yes. Dan, how you doing? You burst into many that's supernovas hard, yeah. on the show, bro. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know. It's yeah, awesome. <laughs> my internet is just shitty, dude. I don't get good internet, so it just... It, like freezes. Well at least it's just the video that's freezing. Yeah, you know lag.
1: Audio, so no lag, so. so that's awesome. I love that.
3: Yeah, that's good.
1: Sweet. Well otherwise
3: uh, I, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that, but yeah.
1: Well we're uh we're gonna put this out um during our Celtic month to hopefully, you know, get some wheels turning. Uh, for everybody to to look at the you know the uh, the next upcoming shows and themes and topics with with the uh the discernment of decoding symbolism in mind and uh hope that, that this weave helps along with that
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Sweet. Yeah. well yeah it's thanks been a pleasure thank yes. you guys
3: thanks man
1: cheers appreciate it shit if you can't get down with that <laughs> Wake, Wake up. <sighs>